Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Vassar, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Thank you so much for joining us. We are back after taking a week off. I had some family stuff to deal with, which if you live on the Twitterverse and you follow me, I'm pretty sure that you saw what was going on. I have a really cool guest today, Slade Calhoun. Great guy, great accent, great knowledge base, just an all-around Awesome guy. I'm looking forward to the chat. Had him on before at the end of my reign at USA Football, and he's just a really, really great guy to listen to. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody that uh, watched and donated for the live stream uh, to try to raise money for my mom. For those of you who have not seen it on Twitter, my mom was diagnosed with stage four signet ring cell carcinoma a couple of weeks ago actually about six weeks ago she was diagnosed with stage 2b but they found um, cancer in her lymph nodes so the stage went up dramatically and i went home to visit her last week which is why we didn't do the pod and i decided to do it kind of last minute and I just want to thank everybody that came on, uh, Jim Camarillo, Chris King, Mark Marinelli, Keith Fagan, Patrick Walsh, and Stephen Lowe. Last minute, just throwing it together. Thank you for all the generous donations. I think we're at $5,300 or $5,400. I have not checked this week. And about 23,000 people watched, including Devontae Adams and Orlando Jones, the actor, which was uh, kind of funny and interesting. I can't tell you how much it uh, it meant to me that you guys took the time out to watch during the season. I think we went for eight hours and 47 minutes or something like that. All the well wishes and, and, and messages, thinking about our family, the prayers, the, just everything has been just fantastic. And it's just really lifted my spirits and has lifted my mom's spirit. She was just shocked by it. She doesn't really know about this. I mean, I, I've told her about the podcast, but she doesn't really... I don't think she fully understands like what, what we're doing. But when I said that 23,000 people had watched and the amount of money we raised, I think she, she got the message loud and clear. And so I just, I can't thank you enough. If you are interested in donating, you can still do so through PayPal. My account is coachvass at gmail.com or through cash app dollar sign coach Vass. My Venmo account is hacked, as I mentioned on the live stream. Somebody decided to sell themselves $1,000. The money was recovered. However, my account was shut down. And for some reason now, I, I can't create a new account. I don't know what's going on. So I, I don't, and I don't really have the time to deal with it right now. So uh, if, if you don't have those and you really want to donate, hit me up on Twitter at Coach Fast or the show's account at MDGA Podcast. And we'll figure something out. Um, I'll give you my phone number and we can do Apple Pay or whatever. And I plan on doing a GoFundMe in, in, in the future. But, you know, we did this last minute and I just needed to figure out a way to get the money and, and get access to it to start being able to help my mom out immediately. And I didn't know how GoFundMe would work in terms of keeping the money or releasing it at certain times. And I also haven't had the 
time to really go and research it. So I just said, hey, I had these things set up. We'll do it there. But uh, I, I just I can't I can't thank you enough. So. Enough about this. Uh, let's uh, let's go get into the episode. My guest this week is Slade Calhoun, defensive coordinator at Munford High School in Munford, Tennessee. Welcome, Slade. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate you, man. Uh, so tell us, uh, how's your season going? How's it starting off? Well, I guess, hell, we're halfway through. How's it been going so far? Yeah, uh, it's moving along, I guess, uh, at a rapid pace like they always do. But uh, we're plugging right along. We're we're four and two. Uh uh, in the region, we're one and one. We lost a heartbreaker by one point in overtime, a uh, game that we we probably let slip away. And then we've got a got a big region game tomorrow night. So if we win that, we'll be looking at uh, three way tie for first in the region. So, so I, I would say with what we were we were expecting to happen coming in that uh, that, that we're doing pretty well for ourselves at this point. That's great, man. That's great. Um, well, good luck tomorrow. Um, we actually we play tomorrow as well, and then we have a Thursday game, which I haven't played a Thursday game. I think we might have played one last year, but if if not, it has been once twenty thirteen. I I am not a fan, but you know that's we we have a couple stadiums here, and you know we we use it when we can, and it kind of rotates between the schools, and it's it is what it is. When I was at Sarah, we used to play half our games on Saturdays. We lived in a neighborhood, and because it was a private school, we couldn't just say, hey, we're putting up lights, and they would fight us every every which way. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you know, I was used to doing, like, Saturday, then a Saturday, then a Friday, then a Friday, then a Saturday, you know, back and forth from Friday to Saturday and Saturday to Friday. But we played my first year at Sarah. We played De La Salle. The De La Salle, and we're winning with six minutes left. De La Salle hadn't lost to a team in Northern California since 1991. This is in 2013. Wow. And we have, we're up by seven. We end up, uh, sophomore corner blows a tire on a fade ball, cramps up. They catch it, they score. We throw an interception backed up. Um, and then they score again, but we played freaking amazing defense. For, you know, even though we lost, I mean, just out, outstanding was my first game at Sarah. So everybody, everybody's like, oh, man, this deep new defensive coordinator, he's the best. You know, everybody's patting me on the back. Well, the ne- so we play on a Saturday at 1 o'clock. Our next game's on a Thursday. It's like we're oh. in the NFL. And we were, you know, we were, I was fresh out of Millsaps a year or two removed from Millsaps. So we were running the TCU stuff to a T. And... Yeah. They were a two-back unbalanced fly team, and I remember saying I didn't want to run. I think it was like wide dogs or bring a safety to backer from the field because I was afraid some of their counter game away from it would scare you know would scare us. And so you know we just obviously didn't want to shut down Dale Sal. They beat us and they did a great job of finishing the game out. But we we were we played out of our minds. We were also down like five defense starters. That was the crazy part. So we played a Thursday game. Everybody's patting me on the back, and then we play this team. You hot colony, and they go right down the field in the first drive. Touchdown. 
Next drive. And we got a fumble. I think one of our kids made a superhuman punch out. And we get it. Or they went right down the field on us again. And then they get the ball third team. And they're moving it. I'm like, and everybody's going, wait, wait. What happened to the guy? What happened to the guy last week? So that's my yeah. lasting memory of Thursday night. And and so what's funny is the, the, the call. And why I mentioned it. The call that I said, hey, we can't run this. We ended up, I, I was just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And that was actually our best call. So it shows you how smart I was going in the game. Be like, this is the one thing we can't do. And it saved us. I was like, fine, let's try it. And it was in it and it worked, but we ended up escaping the game with a win, but it just, so I just, those Thursday nights, it just sucks. Cause you got, you know, you've got these, this big game Friday night lights and all their well Thursday night lights and all stuff. And then you got to go to school the next day. It's just, it's going to be rough. Oh yeah. So anyway, um so enough about my trials and tribulations let's get to the uh questions so we got some questions we got some pretty good ones this week uh so we'll we'll get into it our first one's from gabriel marku by the way thank you for the phonetic spe- uh spellings it's been helpful you can find him on twitter at at g m a r c x he coaches in canada on Laval, Canada, it says C-A-L. That's the school you coach at. I- I'm not sure what that means. Anyway, he uh, starts off, said he loves the podcast. Thank you very much. He um, discovered us through the Glazier Clinic, the Defending Modern Offensive Series. And uh, sending prayers to the mother and family, which I really appreciate. Thank you very much. His question is, in one of the podcasts, you quickly mentioned a cover zero coverage that he was curious about. One that had account system integrated into. Could I expand on that? Yes. So... How we taught uh, our cover zero, our cover one, whatever you wanted to call it, and if you want to get out a piece of paper. First of all, if, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that you should have a notepad nearby because it's audio. So we're going to try to explain it as much as we can um, where you can write it down. Um, but I, I'll go through this and say if you have anything uh, similar when I'm finished, I'd love for you to hear from what you got. So the count system, which um, I think comes from the the frogs, is one that is used with all the zero coverages or man freeze or, uh, or two man, I believe. That's how it works. Well, two, not two man. And the count system is this. You count. So the corners have one and all their zero coverage. So so the way that we did it at Millsaps and TCU does it is they have they call zero zero free and then they'll tag mm-hmm. like zero free rebel double. They got all sorts of calls, all sorts of tags. But everything starts with this count system and if you learn the count system, you can run anything and you don't have to memorize formations. Now, what's funny is you never play the coverage with the original count. It's just the training wheels. And really, after the first couple of days, you kind of don't talk about it anymore. So this is what happens. Corners have one. Strong safety has two strong. Now, if you're a team that plays your safeties to run strength, this actually helps because it's it's easy because the strong safety always has two to the strength. We stopped doing that when we came, uh, when I started coaching in the Valley where offenses were a little bit more modern, a little bit more spread. So we play our safeties to passing strength now, but our strong safety always has two strong, and and our strong safety is, uh, you know, in a four-two-five would be a nickel. He's your nickel. Okay. Now here's the rest of the rules. The 
Reed side linebacker. So we don't talk about Mike and Will. I will for the purposes of illustrating the coverage, but we talk about in the past coverage, we talk about Reed side linebacker and away side linebacker. Because any formation where the run strength is away from the passing strength, your Will or your weak side linebacker in TC would be the Mike. They go Sam and Mike. We go Mike and Will. The weak side linebacker and the run strength is actually to the passing strength. So they got to learn both anyway, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Now, without getting on some sort of sidetrack, there are teams that align their backers to passing strength. I think Virginia Tech is one of them. I think it's easier to cross-train coverage than it is the run game, which I know there's a lot of people who don't agree with me. I want my Mike having the A gap if it's an over front. I want my Will having the B gap if it's an over front. Done. End of story. I don't want, but then that's just that's just how I am. And I might be wrong, but that's just what I feel comfortable with. Anyway. So here's the rule. The Sam, or I'm, I'm going to use Mike and Will for this discussion. The Mike has three. If he is inside the offensive tackle, and the and if he's outside, he's free. The free safety, the deep safety to the strong side, we call him the free safety. Some people call him the strong safety. But the safety that is deep to strength, has three outside the tackle. So they're basically, one of them has them in the other. Okay? So if it's I pro, and, and, and the same thing, the free safety. If three's inside the tackle, technically you're free. Again, we never play tight G zero. We never come out and say, all right, we're going to play tight G zero, and that's it. It's, there's usually a tag. But this is, the, this is the foundation where everything's built off of. This is a really good question, actually. And kudos to you for picking that up because I went, I, I know what you're talking about. I went super fast through it. Now, on the weak side, the will has two weak if he's inside the tackle box or inside the tackle. And you can, a Y off or an owl, or we call him an owl, a sniffer, that's where you can game plan it. One time we played where we counted that guy like a tight end because he sent a vertical. So we said, hey, even though he's between the guard and the tackle, we are considering him if he's off the ball and up. He's a tight end. We want the deep guy to take him because we didn't want to be in any run-pass conflict. That's up to you. So the will has two weak because if he's inside the tackle and the weak safety, the deep safety to the weak side has two weak because if he's outside the tackle. Again, it takes care of everything. So now with that in mind, you can match up every single formation and you are covered. Now, here's the here's the interesting part of the count system and the thing that makes it work. Versus any nub formations, any nub formations, if you want to keep the rules, and this is where you get away from having to memorize a bunch of crap, is let's take I-twins. If you're in a nub formation situation, you take away one guy to the flipped side where there's twins, and you add an imaginary guy to the nub side. Let me say that again. Let's say I twins. You got the twins to the defensive right, the tight end to the defensive left. You will add, you will remove a guy from the count to the twin side, and you will add an imaginary guy to the strong side. And what that does is it keeps the count consistent. Because if you tell the corners they have one, and you flip your corners, one is the nub tight end. Well. Do you flip or not? So now your strong safety, your weak safety, who's standing over the nub tight end, and we're saying like an eight-man front, well, technically he has two strong. Well, two strongs in the backfield. 
and you got nobody on the nub. Now, if you're not a corners over team, you can keep this, but I still think it messes with your counting system. So that's where the hidden, that's where the hidden gem is. So now if you get I twins and you do like I do and you flip your corners base. So you say the outside corner has the receiver, you're locked up. You're counting the inside slot receiver as one. So the corner has one, right? Go to the nub side. The weak safety has two to his side. You count the imaginary guy outside of the nub as one. The tight end is two. Now the backers and the other two deep safeties, their counts are the same as if it's a pro set. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. It's genius because you don't have to, and I say that because I didn't come up with it. You don't have to memorize if you if you play those rules, you literally can defend every single formation. I've I've done it. I've sitting there and drawn three backs, two tight ends to empty. It works out. Now, why is it, it that's how we do our uh, in our our count? And then off of that, we'll play man free. So we'll say okay. Um, you know, if you go two by two, we tell the backers okay. We're never really free. So if you know, if two weak is outside the tackle, technically the Mike would have the back because three would be inside the tackle. If it's two by two and the will would be free, but we call it a, some people call it a combo or a Reggie. We call it Reggie. Cause I just think that's funny to call something like that. Some people call it fiddle. And then there's some, some rules, but then, you know, the two back rules are, well, if, if I don't have a guy, I'm free. So it's easy to spin the safeties on motion and because you plays under your rules. Now, some of the two-back stuff gets a little hairy, but we don't usually play. If we're playing man, we're blitzing. And so then if you're teaching like bullets, so you're teaching concept blitzes instead of memorizing. Okay, if we're bringing both backers, it's easy because, okay, free safety. You have three if he's outside the tackle. Well, now the backers are going, so you always have three. Weak safety, you always have two weak. And if you're bringing, uh, and then if you're bringing the guy from a side, you just say, okay, um, you have two free safety. You have two to the blitz side. No two find three. If I'm away from it, I'm middle of the field free. And then the backer counts still say the same two backs. The two backers have the backs one back. I got one guy and then I'm They're probably going to have to switch the blitz to me. So I'm going to run and end up running a blitz possibly. For example, if you're in an eight man front, you bring a weak side safety off the edge and you get twins to the boundary and it's one back. You got to switch the blitz or else you got a backer covering a receiver. And that's the other thing is it keeps a new kind of weird situation where the backers think they have to cover slot receiver. So that's the foundation. And then, so for example, if you're in TCU land and, um, or Millsap, I hate saying TCU because I don't want to speak for them. I just, we ran the defense at Millsap. So I'll speak off. I'll speak. I'll speak off of Millsaps. So they'll have a coverage called like, uh, or I should say we had a coverage called zero free rebel double. So what does that mean? That means, okay, well, the backers rebel call means a backer has the tight end, right? So normally let's say it's Y off. uh, And let's say we're not counting the, you know, we're counting that tight end as a tight end. So let's say it's three by one corner has one nickel has two strong safety has three counting the tight end. Weak safety is free. Two backers have the back. Well, that's a great rundown coverage, right? It's man free. However, if you want to bracket, say the tight end's not a big vertical threat, 
and you want to bracket the number two receiver to the twins or to the to the three receiver side, you call zero free rebel double. What does that mean? It means rebel. The call is the backer. One of the backers has the tight end man to man, so the other one would have the back. And then you're doubling the slot on one side. The other guy's playing the middle of the field. And so instead of having a low hole player, you can you can and basically doubling the back in theory, you double their most dangerous receiver and have a middle of the field guy. So that I know it's a long winded answer, but that really is the foundation for everything we do coverage wise. Everything from there stems off of this. And so if you have a counting system like that, and again, it's kind of based on, and you could change it if you don't want to go corners over, but it's kind of based on going corners over, but it just, it gets you aligned to everything. You'll never, if you, if they count like that, You'll never have a situation where there'll be somebody open, which is always the fear of anybody that plays man is you got two on one and one on none. You know what I mean? Like you're doubling one guy and just one guy's not covered. So that, that should take care of it. Now, I don't know how you count and, and, and teaching your man stuff, but if you got anything to add to that, I know it's a long answer. I apologize, but you really have to go through it. Feel free to add some. Well, I, I count the same way, uh, I guess, you know, my interpretation of the TCU way, I'll say it that way, is, you know, if, if we're playing zero or we're playing zero free, which is our cover one or one rad or however you want to think about it, you know, if, if we're just playing zero, our corners have one, our nickel and our weak safety have two, our free safety has three. Because most of the time, if I'm playing zero, it's some kind of bullet something something. Right. So I think the the most important thing, you know, I'm now I'm not a corners over guy, but you know, I've just never, you know, just for for uh uh staying out of confusion of flipping the corners and some of that, I I never got into the corners over. I was intrigued by it. But I think to uh kind of add on to the coach's uh answer for him. To me, the most important thing to work when you're talking about zero and especially in a blitz situation is working all your banjo situations and your traffic situations. You know, what are you going to do? Because if somebody knows you're a zero guy, you're going to get two receivers tight to one another and they're going to rub or you're going to get stacks. So it's how do I handle stacks? How do I handle banjo? You know, do I tell them exactly what a banjo is? Do I let the kids call it? How are we going to handle three guys in a tight bunch? How are we going to handle you know, uh, an H-back with a tight end, H-back with a tight slot, uh, an offset back and a tight end. So, you know, I, I, I teach basically, you know, zero in, in five minutes, just how you just taught it. I just tell them the numbers. I'm like, hey, corners have one. Uh, uh, what the, My nickel Sam and weak safety have two. Free safety has three. And then from that point forward, all we're all we're worried about is banjos, and, and traffic rules, and then uh, even even like if you get empty, if you get quads, you know, like this week we, we've had to work on quads. We've had to work on quads a few times. Well, now my weak safety, you know, there's not a two weak. There's not a two in the backfield, so he's got to take four strong, you know, because that's where number two went to. So, right. you know, that's how we get our numbers right. And then you have to work motion. Okay, well, what if you get jet motion to those things or a quick motion? So, so what I would do or what we do is I make it an automatic banjo. So 
So if I'm if I'm over three, okay, and and three's in the backfield, and two comes on like a quick motion. Well, whoever's covering that guy, okay. So let's say it's the nickel between the free safety and the nickel. We're going to have an automatic banjo. So I'm going to take the guy going in quick motion or jet motion because 99 times out of 100, they're either handing the ball or he's running the wheel route. So he would be the first out. And then, you know, the, the, the man chasing the motion would have any kind of vertical route or he would be able to get in the run field. Does that, does that make any sense? Absolutely. So to me, I think that's like one of the most important things to, to work because kids have been playing man coverage since the first time they ever played two in touch in the backyard. Right. It's, what are we going to do on the goal line when they know, you know, we're bringing the max amount of guys, especially if you're in like an add-on pressure or something like that, you know, where you're in like a, a mob type situation, you know, and, and right. how are you going to, because everybody's going to rub you on the goal line. They're either going to stack or they're going to rub you or they're going to get in a three-man bunch and pick you. So it's, it's how are you going to handle those situations. Right. Yeah, I know. So, I again, I know that was a long one, but uh, I wanted to cover the whole thing because it's not something that you can just – I guess you could go gloss over it, but it, if you lose one of the details, and I will add this. I saw these rules in my first year coaching. I used to joke around that I was going to wear a wristband that said, "What WWGPD, what would Gary Patterson do? Yeah. Because I got this counting system, and I didn't understand it. I was like, this is dumb, wouldn't it? Why are we going to teach the kids to count this way? We're not even going to run this coverage as it is. And then I realized when we're trying to memorize every formation and the adjustments going, oh, that's why. That's why we're going to do it. I'll let you take you this one first. Check out a, you never have to check out of a blitz. You, you know, don't. if you if we can if we're just talking blitz, because that's that's when right. I'm in zero. I, I don't hardly ever play zero and play this zero and base, whatever. Right. So if I'm playing zero, I'm heating you up. So if I call a blitz, then we're, we're bringing the blitz now. And, and you mentioned it, you know, it may be if I'm wanting to blitz a safety or a DB or, or whatever the situation, we can switch it off. Like if I'm trying to blitz the nickel and you give me trips, well, now he may switch that to the mic or, or whatever you call your read side backer. But we're still going to bring that blitz. We're going to get right numbers-wise. And right. I think that's where the count system is. I mean, if you're not counting, I, I don't, I don't know how you would, you know, you'd have to be checking out all your blitzes anytime somebody gave you a, a, a trips or quads or something like that. Well, I think the secret to the system is what you do versus the nub stuff. I think that's, I think that because everybody has a counting system, but just how they add a guy to one side and they take a guy away and it keeps everything consistent to play corner over. Like I said, if you're a, you know, if you're a, but well, what do you do versus twins? If you're, let's say you're bringing, uh, you know, you're, you're bringing, I don't want to ask this rhetorically because the answer might be super obvious, but you know, if you're, if you're playing a nub, nub tight end set and your corners got, he's down and he's, you know, he's got the tight end cause he's got number one, or let's say you have him back in like a sky look where he's at C seven or whatever. And you have a force guy down. What is that? safety have i mean i guess he's got the first back out to his side but i don't know i just i think it cleans it up yeah, i'll never teach that yes and I, that's I, one thing know. that i should say is a banjo but if you're bringing the guy you know 
and now you're going to bring him, you know, does it still, I, and I guess the count stays the same. If you don't flip, it should still be the same, but if you do flip, that's what makes the count system work. Cause otherwise, what do you do? And I used to be, a, I don't like corners over. And then I'm like, why am I trying to have my down safety cover a number two on a post and my corner trying to fit a run? I just, and then we have a lot of different zone coverage options on a corners over. We have a whole zone zone coverage package where we play we play palms with the corners. We play we have right, a cover three right. variation, and I used to think it was really involved. But when you play match coverages, it's like, all right, you have this guy vertical and out. If he goes in, drop underneath number one. I mean, it's not that hard. So we have a whole package off of that, which makes it worth doing because otherwise you're just stuck in man. Um. I'm going to let you take this next question first. It's from Zach Shoemaker, who's the DC and safeties coach at Waynesboro area, senior high school in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. His Twitter handles at coach shoe zero seven. His question is, do you have any things you do later in the season to break routine and keep the kids from going through the motions of practice? I have a few things I like to do, but I'm looking for some other ideas. We're in week seven of 10 and just need some ideas on how to change things up. Thanks. So what do you got? Do you do anything special as the season goes on to keep things fresh? Uh, I'm probably the worst person to ask this question, but I do. My assistant coaches or the guys I work with are really good about, well, coach, we're practicing too long or their legs are dead or whatever. So I've already got it set in stone. You know, we, we usually go about an hour or so a day on defense and we we don't necessarily two platoon. We try to do the best we can, but some guys start both ways. And if you're not a starter, you're definitely a backup on the other side. So we're practicing offense and defense every day. So I'm going to try to cut after this week, uh, to the best of my ability, I'm going to cut 15 minutes off. You know, I'm going to try to keep it under 45 minutes. So I think that's one thing. I think you go shorter. And then right. the second thing, thing and especially if you've got seniors that have been in the program a while I think you've got to do something to kind of keep it interesting so I've got some really good young kids and I want to get them on the field so we've been using some dime stuff or we call it dime I don't you know but but I take my buck linebacker out bring a money linebacker you know and, and some different things so to add to that, and with all the rage this offseason of sim pressures and all that, I've started, you know, giving my D-line some real simple stunts. You know, we've been fooling with the uh, all the stuff that was on the Kirby Smart tackle for loss. The mirror, you know, basically with the, you know, the, I guess it would be like the X stunt, but out of the odd front where the nose wraps. and We've, we've know, talked about dabbling. that, I think, in the last three podcasts <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's and then some of the stuff i went back and watched the original the original uh oh the original panel on defending today's offense with you and cody and kogan and king and uh and all those guys adam gaylor and all those guys and just watched the sim pressure portion so we've been dabbling around with some bear and running the A blitz out of Baird and dropping the guys and playing cover one rat or playing cover three and, you know, doing, doing something. So, you know, it's new, even though it's stuff that was already built in and I just kind of keep it within our, the rules we already had, you know, when you say dime and you're subbing guys in and out, you know, kids watch NFL or some of them do and they're like, Oh, this is cutting edge stuff. 
And, you know, it seems like we're adding a lot of new stuff, but really we're not. You know, we sub a guy and we're kind of doing some of the same things, but I think that keeps it a little fresher. And, you know, it's it's not like you're wasting time calling stuff you're never going to use because, you know, we if we get you backed up, we are going to put another DB out there and play some kind of, you know, man under two deep. But, you know, I got, I got really small guys, but they're really fast guys. So we can do a lot of different stuff up front, and they think it's real neat. So I think that keeps it fresh. And then, you know, I'm hesitant about the term, you know, like everyday drills and all that because it's like, well, how many times do these guys need to do these drills before they're like, oh, dang, man, coach is making us do this again. And, you know, I I think you keep having, you know, and this kind of goes back to, analyzing your film and what did you screw up on that's that's usually what goes in my practice schedule for the next week you know we don't we don't practice stuff that i think we've you know been proficient at you know we're always looking at what were our deficiencies in this game or maybe what were some plays we didn't make you know maybe a corner look back while he was out of phase so we're going to give the dbs extra extra out of phase stuff this week but we're going to cut out maybe maybe they've done good in their in their position maintenance type drills and and things like that or maybe they've done good in stance and start or motoring back in meg or you know different things like that and you know with our our tackling well maybe maybe our clamp work was great you know as far as connecting but maybe maybe we struggled in tracking and instead of hitting the heavy bags or something like that maybe we're going to do run and gather instead or or some kind of, you know, drills that don't require as much contact. And even though we don't hit each other much, we tackle heavy bags and things. You know, it's Mm -hmm. still pretty exhausting. So, you know, I I just try to look at those things and and try to get as much done as possible that we need to do, but in the least amount of time possible. Because ultimately, everybody wants to go home. You know, I have a wife and kids. You know, so there's no sense in just staying out there beating a dead horse. You know, well, we've we we've always done this drill and we've always practiced an hour. We have to do it or we're getting behind. I just you know, I think that's overrated. Yeah. I I, I you know, we try to keep things fresh by you know changing what we do on third down and exotic stuff and try to do it that way. Um for me, I might be the wrong person to ask because I don't really care. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I'm just like you. You have to do this. Like for me, the question the the question it's hard to answer because our our coaches want the practices to go shorter as the season goes. And when I was at Sarah, that was easy to do because we had to fight Helios, the god of the sun. We didn't have lights. <laughs> So we had to be done. We didn't have a choice, but we have two problems that are new. I shouldn't say new. I've been here now. It's my second season, but there's two issues that I have. One, we do have lights. And two, we get every film on our opponents in our league. So I've restricted. I don't want to say how I'm doing my process. There's a few things I won't talk about. This is one of them. I've restricted my film watching to certain games. Now I watch every game, but I don't break them down and I don't want to give away. 
how many and where the cutoff is. I mean, it changes every week, but because if one of these guys is listening and they're like, oh, well, he won't watch this game. He won't see her trick play or whatever because I see it all. But I've started to restrict how many films I break down because there had been, I think in my first section final, we had a 13-game season, so we had 12 scout films. I got a hold of 11 of them. And I broke every single one of them down. And I got so enamored with what they were doing that I wasn't planning for us. And 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 then we're practicing against stuff they've only done. So I think one of the things to fight that is to only practice stuff they've done more than once or in more than one game. And that's how I what I've done to combat. Because I was going, you know, I remember Brian Billick, I think at one point, either in his book or somewhere, said, you know, we thought we got all this technology that we were going to, and I know I'm way off topic here. I promise I'll bring it back. But he said, when we got the new technology, we thought, oh, it was going to be great. It's going to make our life easier. But all it did was make us watch more stuff. And we just oh. were able to do more instead of making. And, and yes, it's more efficient, but now you just do more. So that's how I've tried to limit myself this year. But we try to change up. We'll do some more good on good stuff, some more situational stuff. But I tell the kids, you got to learn it. And I, I think a lot of a lot of our coaches and, and players are motivated by fear of failure. So it doesn't take much motivation. You just remind them what it'll be like because people where we're at really care. And so my motivator is not only being embarrassed in public. <laughs> so yeah, that's always a good one. You know, I and I don't really have any really great like, you know, we'll try to change up our EDDs, so to speak, or maybe some of our tackling drills or we'll move stuff around, but we're not, we're not, I'm not good much. So I hope, I hope Slade gave you a better answer than I did. Zach, uh, our next oh, question. Hey, comes. I can, uh, I can add something on that last one. Sorry to interrupt. But, uh, one of my buddies, one of my buddies, uh, uh, down in Georgia, I don't want to give out all the secrets, but, but we talk and he has quit going team against the scout team. So this might be because he said, he said, and everybody's been in this, and I just saw Tom Blazer talking about it. Uh, you know, C- Coach Blazer on Twitter was talking about how bad scout teams. You know, you you never you never get a look worth a quarter really from your scout team unless you're totally two for platoon. It's like you're starting offense, right? Like if it's your your scrubs or your Rudy Poos or whatever you want to call them, you know, trying to run the other team's offense, it always looks like just trash. So he. Is is doing something along the lines of like his best on best guys in groups or pods going like wide open, you know, not tackling to the ground, but getting full speed reads with like barrels representing D linemen or you know O linemen D linemen just working on the blocking schemes they're going to see that week. And the only time they come together for team is like formation checks, but they never go like eleven versus eleven. And he said that they're playing way faster in the game. Because during the week, they haven't conditioned themselves to slow down to the speed of the scout team. I don't know, man. Interesting. Interesting. I think it's interesting. I don't have enough guts to do it. I, I mean, I, I, I want to think about it and pretend I might want to try it. But it's kind of like, right. man, what if I do it this week and we just stink it up? But I, I, I'm intrigued by some of the thoughts behind it. Because we had like three weeks in a row that we gave up a touchdown on like the first play or second play of the game. And then we might shut them out the whole rest of the game. Right. But we had like a little three-week – we had a three-week deal there, 
this year where we gave up a touchdown on the first or second play of the game. And I'm like, and then when, when the guy told me this, I'm like, was it because we have slowed ourselves down to our scout team, our scout team's operational time? You know, I, I don't, and then, and then like after that, we adjusted and, you know, we didn't give up another score the rest of the game or, you know, we did give up some scores later, but it, it didn't have anything to do with timing. But right. I, I thought that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't have the guts, especially this week. Double wing stuff. There's a zero percent chance I would do that. Oh well, you got to have eleven guys in the run fit, right? And and you have to. And the thing about that offense is you have to understand the distance, the difference in spacing. Oh yeah, you know what well, I mean. I like talking, this, you know, the guys right practice press. Now, when I'll say this, one thing that we've done this year is we've only used cards two weeks. I sit down where I call our head coaches or offensive coordinator and say, "What do you call this?" And I put it in our language so the kids can run the play. I think there's something about looking at a card and there's something about um, getting a code word that makes it go faster. I don't know if it's just. Oh, I agree. You know, it just. Uh, it's not superstition. It's not the word, but I just I'm, I'm imagining it or whatever. But one thing that drives me absolutely effing crazy, it like it makes me come unglued, especially during the spring ball when you're facing yourself I, I don't know if i so <laughs> everywhere i've been we've had code words everybody has code words when you go fast for the line right right and some are more creative than others um but it doesn't take long to figure out the code words now you might not figure it out in one game but I over what do, what do you practice like 30 times between your first spring practice and your first game Something crazy. The kids figure out the calls. So, you know, we look like the freaking Pro Bowl defense when we go against our offense because they know where the ball's going every play or when it's a pass. And this has been at, at every place I've ever been. This is not just this place. And so, and then we go play somebody else and it's like we, we're stuck in cement. And it's like, yeah, because we don't know the play. And so during those scout teams, it, I'm going to tell you this, coaches, the soapbox is out. I'm standing on it. If you're doing what I'm about to tell you, have a w way to figure out how to signal to the offensive lineman. If you have to stick the offensive line coach and behind the O-line, behind the defense, in front of the O-line, rather, and have them signal in the code or whatever, do it because it it helps nobody. It helps nobody. Your, your kids, the hardest thing, like our kids this week, double wing, we look great when we were just fitting up the run. We looked great when we were just fitting up the pass, but it was when you gave the play action. I mean, that's that's football. Oh yeah, you know, and 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 if you got a good team with no tells, well then you know, I don't know. So I'm off. I'm off my. I'm putting the soapbox away. All right, moving on. Our next question is from Boone Patterson, who's the head coach at Snook High School in Snook, Texas. Sounds like a tough place. His Twitter yeah, handle is yeah. at Coach MB. E A T T. That's Coach M. B is in boy. P is in Pat. A T T. So actually, Pat. Um, his question is: Favorite D line stunts and movement is stopper calls for eleven and twenty one personnel gap schemes from four two five. I'll take this one first. Uh, so D line stunts and movement. So I'm guessing you don't want blitzes with that. Uh, the easiest one is uh, I'll give you a couple. I mean, I could talk about this for three hours, but okay. 
it's diagnosing problems. So uh, if your six technique is not reacting fast enough, shoot him in the gap. Fire his ass off the tackle. Uh, one of my favorite ones is line up an over front, slant to under, if you're getting that sort of thing. We stopped doing that because what was happening is we played a really good team, St. Francis High School. Mountain View actually used to coach there. And every time we did that, the tackle, the play side tackle, would just come off and go get the backside linebacker. So we started slanting more towards the play. Honestly, if you're playing a two-back 21 team and you don't want to blitz, slant to the tight end. You know, if you're hard joining the, you know, we spill a lot versus two backs. So our guys walked above the ball like an underfront Sam, but we play an overfront. And you're you're hard jointing that ball off that edge, and you're really digging down in there and spilling and spilling and spilling. And then you mix it up with a blitz where you're slanting to the tight end, getting your three technique across the face of the down block, getting your six technique in the D gap, and then looping your strong safety inside. And you're bringing a guy off the backside. That's good too. Um, one thing that I'll say is if you want to keep it simple and you run an over front, just slant the two interior guys to the call. So, and Patterson talks about this on that marathon DVD that's on YouTube, uh, where he talks about, you know, I, I think it's in the, the first 15, 20 minutes of the DVD. He says, uh, you know, I, I can recruit in the off season, but when I'm in season, I got the guys I got. And I have to have fine tools to make them successful. And he talked about their their Toro stunt, which is just the three technique and the and the G or the nose slanting to the call. And he goes, "What's funny about it is they don't slant they don't slant gaps. They slant techniques. So if I'm in a G and a three and I'm slanting to the tight end, the three steps to a four I, the G steps to a shade on the center, and that's really good for power. And you're really not changing gaps because you're getting the three to step into the outside part of the double team." You're getting the nose to cross face because you, you're expecting the back and pull. You're, you're getting a cross face. Um, and and you're working with it, and you're already getting movement there. If it's 11 personnel and they're a zone team, I like to slant to the tight end. Just, again, same thing. The two, two inside guys and then maybe loop the end outside. But then a lot of stunting is one of those deals that I do more of. I like it more at a 10 personnel versus zone, which I know is not your question. But if I'm running it with a gap scheme, I'm usually blitzing somebody. So I'm slanting to the tight end. I'm bringing a guy in the week A, or I'm sorry, yeah, in the week A gap. So I'm slanting the nose across face, getting three guys to the side of the power, and I'm bringing a guy off the backside, or I'm blitzing a guy off the edge on the weak side. I don't usually just twist. That's more of a zone thing for me personally. What's your opinion on that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do any twist in verse 21 personnel, no, no, no. but, uh, but I, I'm with you, uh, going back into four, two, five land, uh, you know, verse 21, I'm going to go, you know, type G aim. So I'm going from over front to basically under front. Uh, I'm going to go split G aim. I'm going from under front to over front. I'm going right. to go like tight Indian Toro. So I'm going from a two eye on the guard to a three, you know, just always moving those tackles, especially if they're undersized guys, because uh-huh. O-linemen to me have a hard enough time how it is. And, you know, when you're static, you make it easy on them. And when you start moving guys, you can really cause some problems. Uh, you know, I used to really love like uh, uh boundary G army, you know, and, and I would kind of break, uh, uh, the GP rules a little bit. I'd go ahead and let my five go ahead and take B gap 
to the boundary side and then go. take the three technique stunt to A and then take the two I and stunt to three. You know, you get a lot of movement there. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great call. But well, uh, it's funny you clamping off everything. It's funny you mentioned about being undersized because when I was coaching, when I first started coaching, I was coaching undersized guys, and so we ran. I mean, we ran set GM and set GM bombers. Our our lead ten personnel call until Pyre came along. And if we still see zone teams, if we see teams that major in zone, we're gonna we're gonna play set GM a lot, set GM bomber. And I'm not telling you, but anybody that sees this on film can see it. We're setting three technique to the back, and you're slaying them. What's funny is, is when I got to Sarah, mainly I had the dudes that could hold point, and they weren't they weren't as quick but they were strong. And so I'm still calling all this t- twisting and stuff. And I'm going, I remember we were playing a team from the East Bay out by Oakland, past Oakland. And we were slanting and doing our thing and they were gashing us. And I just went, you know, let's go back to basics. And we played an over front. We started stoning them. And it was like the, the slanting was actually hurting us, and th- but they could take double teams. So it's funny. Sometimes, you know, we were talking um, pre-pod about some guys that, you know, do better with different types of kids. And I, I it was almost like I did better with the undersized kids. And when I had the kids that could do it, I'd be like, uh, I don't know what to do. Like, we're too good. <laughs> that's if that's such a thing. And I had to readjust my well, thinking. Like, we're not I'm not outgunned every time. I don't have to. And that's what's great. I've always said this about GP is. That defense is so good because it's built as an underdog defense. It, it, it runs oh, yeah. through its veins. And when I'm playing where I'm not the underdog, it actually hurts you sometimes. I don't know what you think about that, but uh, well, okay. So my my varsity team, we're tiny, so I, I'm never sitting still. You know, and and if you watch five seconds of film, you know I'm not going to sit still because we're going to get killed. Our, our only fighting chances to move. Well, I just came right. from the freshman game tonight. Our freshman team, size-wise, is bigger than our varsity. Of course, you know, that size is in different shapes and forms, but they're, they're bigger, and they're freshmen, and they're linemen, and they don't move as good. So right. uh, uh, we, we made an adjustment, and I'm like, hey, coach, you know, I'm, I'm there kind of coaching, but kind of rah-rah cheerleader or whatever. I just said, I, I said, coach, call timeout right here. You know, the other team living in 10 person. And I was like, I was like, move those guys in into four eyes. Basically, just tell them go blow up B gap. So we're in the mint front or tight front, whatever you want to call it. And uh-huh. I said, now go ahead and call your stunts and and, and play whatever you want to play. And, and but and, and those guys thrived in it because they're just bigger, heavier guys. And some of them fire off the ball decent. But now I don't have to rely on a kid that's not as quick trying to cross face. I've already put him where I wanted him. Right. And right. Some people are better. Some people are space eaters, and some guys are quick twitch guys that live to cross space. I mean, I think you just have to always play the hand you're dealt. Our next question comes from Zachary Hertel Theron. I think I got that right. He's a DC and defensive line coach in Massachusetts. He didn't put a school. There's no Twitter handle. His question is. Um, we face a team that has two D1 players. God bless you, my friend. One committed to Notre Dame and one one to Michigan. In the past, we've done the double number co- as a coverage. Any ideas on t- uh, dealing with two threats? One cry, two pray. 
Uh, no, so, okay, so a couple things. The easiest way to do it is Don Brown's version. I don't know if it's Don. I don't know if you call it Don Brown. And I don't know all the rules, so I shouldn't speak on it, even though me and Don are pals. Uh, you know, no big deal. Just kidding. He's not really my pal. He just agreed to do the podcast. But I tell everybody we're besties. Um, one thing that you could just easily do, and um, you could look at each guy. Now, I don't know if they're on the same side. So that's the one thing is if they're on the same side, uh, you could do with what I said earlier, which is, um, you know, double the slot and have the other guy play the middle of the field. If they're on the same side, though, I mean, you don't want to unwind yourself to the point of, I mean, you could play man to me, you could play two man. I mean, one thing, one thing that um, we actually toyed with this is that shoot coverage that was posted on, uh, Twitter a while ago that Alabama used to run. They they ran it. Georgia ran it versus Notre Dame two years ago, I think. And then I haven't seen it before since in many years. What you do is you play two man, and then instead of instead of two man with the safeties over the top and the halves, you play one guy over the middle, and you have the the other guy play on the outside third, and you just negate the backside. You could do that. Uh, you could run straight brackets. Now this is if they're on separate sides. So you find out where they are, you find out what right routes they like to run, and you just bracket both sides. So let's say let's say you have a stud in the slot to the field, and you their best guy is the number one receiver to the boundary. So you run what Saban would call a cone into the boundary, and you would run bracket to the field and in out bracket, and you'd play man, uh, you know, man to man on the other two threats. Um. Now, again, I, there's no formations or anything. I don't really know. There's also zone versions. So, uh, and then I don't know if they move around either. So, you know, if they're on the, you know, if they're playing the same spots, it's easy. So, it, like, it, a lot of people will put their best guy as the boundary guy. And then they'll put their second best guy as the field slot. That's what some people do. If it's if it's a run and shoot type team, their best guy will be the boundary one. And then their next best guy might be the two or the three in the trips. They don't do a lot of two by two. But I'm just giving some different examples uh, of other things you can do. You could also do zone version. So, like, uh, some of the saving guys have a coverage. They call it seven special. And they, they depending on, it's usually for one guy. But if the real good guy is outside, you can play, like, a trap corner and a, that, that carries verticals. And then you have a guy play over the top. If he's in the slot, you could just bracket the slot and play like a, a man match quarters version of it. I mean, there's there's a lot of things you can do, but that's what I'm thinking of off the top of my head is easy way. Figure out where they're going to be, when they're going to be, where they're going to be. Figure out the brackets that you would in one double. So, so if you run the double jersey number coverage, you know the premise is you're going to man one of the guys and then you're going to bracket the, 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 the stud. And you're in out bracket depending on the route. So if he's into the boundary, you know, and they run a lot of slants and a lot of like inside slot fades and play, you know, the overhang inside the deep safety outside or whatever. So you figure out how you want to bracket depending on where the stud is, where he's lined. We'll just do that to both sides. Just instead of the backside playing middle of the field zone coverage, just do it to both sides. The more advanced version, like I said, is you can play different types of zone. Um, or it's not really zone it'd be like more like man match quarters. So if you're familiar with the Bama defense, if the guy's really good, you play Buster or Cougar 
uh, I'm sorry, if the guy's really good on the outside, you play Buster or Cougar. If he's really good on the inside, you play Bracket or Switch or whatever. So you man up on the out, and then you just decide, and they can, they're independent of each other. Again, trips. You know, if if you're if you're saying okay, uh, you know the outside receivers are okay, and it's the two and the three and the trips, then you could you know double bracket to both sides. I mean, so you play uh, you know a guy inside on two with the deep guy playing outside, and then you have the down guy play outside and the deep guy play inside on number three. I mean. You just figure out where are they and what routes they run and then just bracket to both sides. So that's the easiest answer. Uh, Slade, I don't know if you've ever had a situation like this. <laughs> Were they both, uh, are the, the, both the D1 guys, uh, are they wide out? Were, that's what I'm thinking. Both? I mean, if he's ta- he says I we mean, face team as two D1 players and he's talking about coverage. So I, I hope he's not talking about one of the running backs. Yeah, because it's a whole different story. But my my question is, I've played against some guys that are great receivers. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of guys in the NFL we coached against. And uh, the my question is always, okay, well, how good's the quarterback and how are they going to go about getting them the ball? Because I think, you know, sometimes you can mess with that guy or I, I don't think you can ever be afraid to blitz, you know, because it's kill me fast, kill me slow. Right. You know, like, I think you got a bracket. You, you you have to have that in, but then you can't be afraid to roll the dice and bring the house because, you know, if you, if you knock the, the trigger man on his back, he can't get those D1 guys the ball. So, you know, you, you, you have to look at, well, where, where can I get an edge against them? You know, is their whole offensive line uh, division one caliber? Is their quarterback division one caliber? So, you know, where, where, where can you beat them at? I, I think that has to factor in the equation. That's also true. I mean, I talked about this during the the uh, I think it was during the live marathon nine hour <laughs> broadcast, whatever the hell you want to call it. What did what I did? Uh, we talked about defending the running back and, and solving problems through different means, and and I was saying that you know I, we were playing a team and they were running wheels on us and. Instead of banging my head against how I could bastardize my coverage to cover the wheels, I realized that if I got in a mint front and walked the jack up, I'd get fan protection, and I could keep my same coverage but slant my nose one way and bring a backer in the other A-gap, and they weren't going to pick it up. And I think LSU did that to Florida last year. They were they, they got five out. Because this whole thing about Aranda's whole creeper system is he wants to keep them from going five out. So just like you said, you, you can bang your head against the wall figuring out how do I cover this guy or you just shorten the clock. And I remember we were, a couple of weeks ago, we were playing a team that was getting the back out and they heard us a couple of plays with it. And we brought for you uh, TCU guys out there, Outlaw Double Tag Bullets B. There you and go. We peeled the ends. We peeled the ends. And, of course, they didn't have anybody to block the, the back or hitting the B gap because the end is, the right tackle staring at the end, who was rushing up the field and then peeled. And there's nobody there, but the mic stops and doesn't blitz the big gap and they hit the wheel. And our DN was covering him. And I'm looking at the linebacker. I'm like, we just talked about this on the sideline. Like, if if you fans just go, because there's nobody to block you. Because it's just like his own pressure in the sense that I mean, he's not the DN's not dropping, he's covering the back, but now you have a right tackle pass setting air. The guard stays on the three technique, pinching the A gap. There's nobody there. There's 
the guy that's supposed to block you is the back and he's out. So, of course, I lost my mind, but when else had practiced, they'd never shown that wheels like that before. So, you know, hats off to them. They're coaching too. So, uh, but yeah, so solving the problem through another means is also an answer that you can go with. Um, okay, the next question, and Slade, I'm gonna let you take this one. This is from William Garrow from Tumwater High School. My man, William, I think Tumwater, a coach on the Tumwater staff, Tumwater staff rather, has asked a question every week. Uh, amazing. Okay. Guys are amazing. His Twitter handle is at W Garrow. That's at W G A R R O W. And guys, if any of these questions pique your interest and you want to talk more about them, at the podcast, at MGGA podcast, say, hey, coach, you said something here. You know, uh, what did you mean by that? And then throw in the Twitter handle from the original question, a person asking the question. Uh, so, for example, tag William here, who's, who coaches D-line, by the way, and say, hey, coach, I, I heard the podcast and uh, we do this. What do you think? Or have you ever thought about doing that? Or hey, I like that. Cool. Thanks. You know what I mean? Like, just don't be afraid just to think. You know, people for asking the questions. Uh, but his question is, um, sent some good love and positivity towards my mom, which I really appreciate. His question is, what are all the situations you practice every week with your D? And what are the situations you wish you'd see more? How do you plan out those situations on a weekly slash season basis, especially if you have kids playing OD both and camp platoon? So as far as uh, how do we map out the week, we, we've switched to an odd front this year, and the majority of my time is spent uh, rotating the secondary and playing one high and bringing a reduction, you know, based on formation, field position, you know, hash, whatever. So uh, we have what we call middle of the field Monday. So on Mondays, I'm going to work cover three, you know, and we're, we're zone match. We're going to work cover three. Uh, we're going to work cover one, uh, which is cover one, you know, with the low rat and then the and then a, a middle of the field safety. And then we're going to work three deep, three under. So we're going to work those things on Monday. Um, any any situation, you know, whatever blitzes are in the game plan, even, and, you know, this comes from uh, blitzology, you know, even when you have blitzes and stunts and things that aren't in the game plan, you still need to run them in practice. You can tell the kids have them and call this on Friday, but we need to keep it oiled up because we might need it in another week or two. So, or maybe you just want to peek at something that you you think might be a, a good look. You know, that that's the time to get that in there. So, you know, that's our main focus on Monday. Then we come back on Tuesday. So, you know, like, Tuesday is kind of too high Tuesday or or uh, our blitz time or zero time. So that's when we're going to zero pressure. That's when we're going to do some too high look. And we're not running. You know, I had all intentions of running some quarters too. I mean, we're, we're basically down to running like zero quarters. But this is when we get in our dime stuff and, and do some too high, some man under too deep, uh, some man match cover two type stuff. And, and work some different scenarios there. And then Wednesday, we kind of mix it all together in like a game simulation. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving out down and distances and hashes and 
telling them, letting the kids know where my mind's at. And then usually by Wednesday, they're really, you know, they're on any special checks that I guess I should have said we would have introduced on Monday. You know, if, if people have some wild formations and some, you know, some unbound stuff with motions and, and, and different things that maybe we haven't seen up to that point, uh, we'll work those things on Monday. But by Wednesday, we're pretty sharp on them. So, so we're going through and we're getting all our automatic checks and we're doing our pressures. And then I always add in trick plays that I know those coaches have ran in the past or here's a trick play that would fit in. And then we always work victory on uh, Wednesday's victory defense, uh, defending like swinging gate, uh, defending like what I call ninja. I think uh, when Spurrier, they called it like Emory and Henry or something. Like we always work all those crazy formations where if if it came out in a game, you'd have to call a million timeouts to get everybody adjusted. We work all those on Wednesdays. Uh, that's the last thing we do. Then we do them again. So then on Thursdays, kind of the same thing, but with uh, with only helmets, and we're kind of at a walkthrough. And I don't I don't even try to let the guys break a sweat if I can help it on Thursdays. And we go through all those same things. Just, uh, you know, one last, one last, you know, kind of rehearsal and make sure like everybody's making their calls. You know, we're announcing the force. We're talking about pressures. We're switching off blitzes. You know, we're, we're communicating everything and I'm, I'm making them walk through the stunts, spin the secondary, you know, if we're in a cover zero blitz situation and, you know, I'm giving them all the motions and everything and just to make sure everybody's on the same page, uh, possibly to give me some last minute reassurance. And then I think it's, uh, it's important for the guys to know that the other 10 guys know what's going on, you know, cause I, I feel like that's a big thing we fight now is is, you know, you, you you got 11 guys on defense and especially defending the spread or defending double tight, double wing, doesn't really matter. It's, you're relying on team defense, all 11 guys working together. And if you got a guy that feels like he needs to do everybody else's job, he can break down the defense himself. You know, he can, he can do the offense's job for them by him not doing his job and canceling some other guys out. So I think by you know, kind of wrapping it all up with Wednesday kind of being a up-tempo thud, you know, we're still hitting, we're still getting after it type deal. And then Thursday kind of a walkthrough of the same thing, more of a mental practice. I think the 11 guys and then all our subs and dime packages and, and all that are, they're proving to each other, uh, hey, I know what's going on. You can count on me. Now, one thing... I haven't worked on this year that normally I spend a good bit of time on is like a goal line defense. And I read, I read a study. Uh, I, you, I mean, most of my stuff comes from you or the other, the, the brain trust on Twitter, you know, but it was basically like how many goal line situations are you going to see in the year and think about how much time you spend on it. And you know, so basically we're going to play some type of man blitz deal or we're going to sub and basically get in like a, 
uh, 6-2 look with an Indian front and, you know, bring yeah. extra D linemen in and then basically banjo any close routes. If it's not close, we're just going to play Meg. And, you know, it's like I don't have to spend a ton of time teaching, you know, whatever I was, I guess, whatever I was teaching before was basically, you know, I don't want to use the term like seven bracket, but I guess it was like the red seven, the you know, kind of something similar to that. But, it, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of its own little special uh, segment. So, you know, I don't, I don't really spend, I don't really spend much time on the goal line or anything. Uh, and, and I don't know, there's, and, and tomorrow night it may cost us the game, you know, but uh, we, we haven't, I, I don't know if there's been a time this year where somebody's been like inside the five and I'm like, damn, oh, we really had goal line right here. You know, like it just, it hasn't came up. So, Hasn't come up, so I don't know. And, I mean, you might be a big goal line guy, but I don't know. No, I'm going to make a confession here. In, I don't know how many seasons, because if you count semi-pro, when I was coaching three years, I coached literally year-round for three years. If you count that, I think I've coached like 14, 15 seasons. I've never had a goal line defense ever. Not one time. Yeah. I I mean, we've got stuff like, I think uh, Bama, those guys call it bald eagle, where uh, they're like G's, four eyes, and they bring a guy off each edge. But we don't have a true. We've played uh, versus three backs. We've played a um, like a double eagle front where it's zeros, four eyes, sixes, and then nine, like Sam nine techniques where they spill. But I'm talking, that's matching personnel. That's not playing 21 personnel and getting in a goal line where you're cover zero and you've got like ones, fours, sevens, nine, like, like I, we've never brought in 16 linemen versus 21 personnel. We might bring in bigger guys. Like the opposite of if you're in like tomorrow night, we play the double wing. We might, if we get in like fourth and long, cause they'll run it on third and nine. If we get fourth and long, we right. might bring in four smaller guys or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you never, we never had a goal line package like the old school, like my mentor had in his old playbook in USC final line. It was like goal line. They had goal line loop where they loop outside. They had goal line pinch. Like we've never, we've never had that. Never. And no, we, cause I we mean, don't like see I teams think. that run goal line offenses. Cause really when I think goal line offense, I, I'll be real honest with you. When I, when I think goal line offense, I think two backs, two tight ends and a wing, right? That's the, that's the formation, 23 personnel. Well, so here's the problem. If you play a double Eagle front and you, you can't spill because you run out of people to spill on the edges and have an overlap and cover the vertical threats. So you have to play an even front or an odd front and box the one side and spill the other. And so we, you know, we'll get an Indian, we'll sub, we'll blitz a guy through if we think we can. You know, but we don't have a, like a true six defensive tackle package or whatever. So, no, no, no you're with like, that. so this nobody's li- you know nobody I play is probably listening, but like, <laughs> and, it, and it's not coming on. Thanks, coach. Game, like, for instance, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't mean nobody's listening. I mean, the wow, people I play, you know, wow. I know, I know not, no, I, wow. I know the people I play tomorrow night aren't listening. You know, it's not going wow. to Nobody but, listens to this. No, you know what I mean. I'm totally kidding. I'm <laughs> no, giving you a hard time. But like, like, 
they they bring in, you know, they sub to bring in two tights, you know, so it's like twenty two personnel, flanked yeah. two tights, two back. So they're going so to run the bulldog package. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna give me an opportunity to bring another D tackle in and take a corner out. So now I can yeah. kind of play like C seven both safeties, play Meg with my one corner and then play Indian with everybody else. So we're right. two I five and nine. And then yeah. the nine techniques are, you know, your force flat pitch guys. And then it yeah. allows those safeties. They're kind of playing the old school robber technique. You know, they uh-huh. get, so now I can get a 10-man run fit. So we but, did all that, but we started spilling on the edges. So we, we play our safeties outside. Blue, we call it blue yeah. pitch. And we if you get a down block, we're coming. And I tell you what, I think I talked about this on the marathon, the, the Jerry Lewis telethon for my mom. <laughs> um <laughs> is we got rid of so much two-back defense. We used to run dogs and smokes and the bear, yeah. and we had all this crap, and we played tight G blue pitch. Uh, for the TCU guys, know you know. If you don't, well, get with the time. Sorry. Uh, I don't need GP showing up at my door. Uh, and we played lightning, tank tank lightning, two solid or, or zero free, yeah. and yeah. that's it. We got rid of it. We'll bring the, the strong safety side guy in a spill pad. Like, like for example, and again, this is going to come out after anyway, so I don't really care, but I better make sure I hit the right date for when I upload this onto uh, SoundCloud. I'd be really sad if I accidentally uploaded it tomorrow. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we're, yeah. we're playing. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm revealing a ton. Uh, but um, <laughs> our Sam, we're playing in the end at Sam to just to, to, we call it stack and press the spill to the tight end wing side and their double wing. Well, he ain't never played, you know, safety. And so, it, and he plays DM, but it's just different when you have to possibly cover somebody. And so what we, we you know, we have a way to accelerate the timing mechanism and say, hey, just run a, you know, tight inside spill path blitz. It's the same damn thing. Now, if they run the ball away, we're hoping that because it's on a spill path, we can take it from behind. We can just chase flat down the line, literally, and go tackle it. But... You know, it, it, it can be hard, but anyway, so we have ways to accelerate that. Now, to go back and answer the question, I'm going to go quick because Coach uh, Calhoun has done a good job of explaining it, and I've, I've answered this question before. So we get we game plan personnel groups holistically. I don't look at really down a distance till Monday or Tuesday um, because if you game, game plan all of 21 personnel, like say if – you know, say they're a 50-50-21 personnel team. Well, you'll have your 50-50 calls. If they're 100% pass and 10 personnel, it will already be built in to your calls. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we won't mess with it till Wednesday, but, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of accepted. So we do not do – basically, we practice – we kind of go backwards in a sense. So Wednesday – I'll start backwards. So Thursday we have a thing we call play the game where the, the coaches – I either come up with the with the plays I want to run and they arrange it around and add some stuff and some tricks and whatnot, or they plan it out completely on their own. And then I call the defense like I did today. I call the defense like I'm calling it tomorrow night. So it's a practice for me as well. So it's everything. We have we have 30 to 35 plays. Every situation that you can think of is in there. Uh minus some weeks we don't do two minute, like we're playing a double wing team. So we didn't really focus on two minute, but backed up, coming out, red zone, goal line. All the first downs, first to short, first and long, first play in a series, first play within a series, 
after a penalty, a sudden change, all the seconds, you know, short, medium, long, extra long, third, fourth down. Uh, it's every down and distance situation. So that's kind of it. I'll put it together. But Wednesday, we have two team periods. So I'll just go through the team periods. We do two team periods, 15 minutes. We do 10 minutes of red zone, five minutes of goal line. It's our first team period. Our second team period is third and fourth down. We start third and one and go all the way up to third and 35 or whatever it is because you still got to practice that. <laughs> then on Tuesday, so that, so, that, so that takes care of those situations. So that takes care of red zone, goal line, short yardage. Um, backed up is for us. It's, we sell them. It's either hard counts or oh, my buddy used to have a phrase for it. It was like hard counts or deep shots or something, but it rhymed much cooler than what I'm saying. Uh, and then we'll talk about two minute, but I mean, uh, we don't, I mean, you don't get enough. A lot of two minute people, generally people do the same stuff minus you'll find the teams that will still run the ball, but people are going to try to throw out. So we don't really talk about what this team's going to do in two minute. Cause a lot of times you won't have a sample size on it and you don't want to overplay it. And then, you know, if you only have one drive in a season, you don't want to take that and take it as gospel. But anyway, so then. We cover most of the big situations on Wednesday, and then Monday is just inherently first and second down. Just We just don't talk about it. And so what we do on Monday, so now I'm going to go back to Monday. Monday, we have two team periods. We'll do their number one personnel group and their number two personnel group. Or this week, they're like 90%, 32 personnel because they're double wing team. We did uh, one... uh, Period one was 32 personnel versus one front and then 32 personnel, same plays versus another front. That was actually another week. This week, we did the same calls, period one and two. We just did different blocking adjustments. So, for example, if you're running power, I call it power lead, where they're running power and the fullback is leading up between the tight end wing, sealing the inside linebacker. We did power kick where and we got in an under front or a certain look where they're going down, down and kicking the nine technique off the edge. Uh, where period one, they have the Trojan play, which is just USC student body, right? They have different mm-hmm. ways to block it. So they have one again, where the fullback is leading up through the base way of doing it is they double with the wing and the tight end and kick out the, the force guy with the, the, the fullback, the sniffer. And so we ran the same plays in the first and second period, but we just did, we changed the edge blocks. You know, uh, we ran tackle trap and influence. And then we ran guard trap. We ran, uh, uh, a toss sweep where everybody reached and then we ran it where they like pin and pull that sort of thing. And then Tuesday we will do, if it's say it's a normal team, quote unquote, we got three or four personnel groups. You know, one of those personnel groups is usually going to be for short yardage or goal line. One of those personnel groups is going to be for two minute. Like if you see an 11, 20 personnel team, they're usually going to be in four wides for pass obvious pass two minute and then they might get in a jumbo package for each short yardage so those inherently take care of themselves on wednesday but then our three periods on tuesday are usually base review from monday so personnel number one review from monday blitz versus their number one personnel group and then the third one is either their third personnel group because you already did the second one on the first day if they have two main ones or two or more main ones or something else like so this week because it was a double wing team we did uh, one group was like their third down stuff, like uh, some of the, well, no, because all their third down, all their passing stuff was in third down, the obvious third down. So we just waited till Wednesday. So I think this week it was special where we did uh, period one on Tuesday was um, 
base. Period two is funky fronts, unders, Indian with two Gs, two threes, uh, a slide 50, like all sorts of just crazy adjustments we might make. And then period three was only our base front with slants and, and stunts. So we did it like that, but that's the different deal. That's we're going to play a team in a couple of weeks um, that has multiple personnel groups. And we'll go back to our normal quote unquote way mm-hmm. of doing business. Uh, but that's how we do it. We don't really talk about down distance much because really we're practicing first and 10, first and 10, second one to six Monday and Tuesday. Now, if they have some obvious tendency, like, Hey, on third and 10, or sorry, second and 10 plus, they're a huge draw team. We'll talk about that, but we don't have like a first and second down period. We don't really talk about it. Maybe we should, but that's just how we did it. Millsaps and I really loved it. And the different periods inherently take care of the down and distance themselves. Like I said, if you're playing a team like the team we talked about, and we're playing in a couple of weeks, they have, they're mainly an 11, 12 personnel team with, and then the 12, they'll get 21 looks. Well, if they're in 10, it's probably because it's third down. If they're in 22, it's because it's third short. So that'll take care of itself on Wednesday. I don't need to do a, and especially because it might be 5% of their offense. I'm not going to spend any time on it. Like this week, we didn't talk about some of their third long situation stuff till today, which was the walkthrough. So we do like a 15 minute walkthrough. Then we play the game script because it was like, they did so little of it. And we know it's going to be different. Every game is different. So it's like, Okay, here's a little smattering of stuff just to kind of get things going, but this is, um, you know, kind of a a little taste of it, but this is not what you're going to see kind of a thing. So I know that's really long. Uh, Four-minute offense. So, so there's some things like four-minute offense. We don't really see teams. We'll, we like to do in the question. It had some of the situations. The only thing that I saw, like over time, we've never really practiced because it's just red zone. Uh, a goal line and then four minute offense we did in camp we do uh, uh like and one thing that's always intrigued me is bama has a bama has a almost like the equivalent of a four minute package that they play versus like 11 and 21 personnel teams where it's almost like a goal line fu front that they play in the middle of the field <laughs> we practice it in camp like we do situations where it's like, you know, you got three down to get a first or, you know, if the offense and then defense, you have to take the timeouts and we practice the timeouts and come to the sideline and stuff like that. But we'll touch on that once and that's it. They don't really mess around with it very much after that. So I don't know. I know we, you, you answered the question first, but if you had anything to add to that, feel free. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's like my mentors used to say back, back in Kentucky, when, you know, on Monday, you know, we used to have a saying, stop the best, defend the rest. So on, on Monday, on Monday, you're introduced. What was that again? Okay, what, 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 what was that? What was that phrase stop, again? Sorry, coach. Stop the best, defend the rest. Oh, I, like I mean, that. so, yeah, you stop. If you stop their best five plays or, you know, everybody has, you know, in their back pocket, you, you know, going in, if we, if we stop these plays, we're going to win the game. So, it, it, on Monday, I'm focused on stopping the best. Tuesday, we're going to worry about defending the rest. Hey, they've lined up in this, this, and this, and they've done this twice this year. And, and just, you know, to make sure we're sound, but follow the same concepts and principles and rules that we put in since camp to defend these plays. And then we're just going to work on, you know, by Wednesday, everything has got to be perfect. You know, after Wednesday, you know, the hay's in the barn, so to speak. 
and then you know Thursday's walking through. But but you know I'm going to have a call by by Monday. I'm going to be like, okay, our base call is going to be whatever it is. You know, we're going to bring the reduction to the back. You know, opposite the back. You know, because I, that way I can slant my D line. Well, it is your number one play quarterback counter. Well, I'm going to I'm going to move everybody where I'm not going to let you run quarterback counter. Okay, now what are you going to do? Because now I'm making you fist fight me left handed. You know that that's kind of that's kind of what I'm trying to do on Monday is instilling the kids, you know, and they kind of get on the same page with me. Okay, look, we're we're not going to let them do this. So now they're going to have to go to page two because we're we're not going to let them run the stuff on page one. Interesting. You know, that's kind of an interesting concept with, you know, well, not the concept, but the phrase I really love. I mean, that's kind of what we go on as defensive coaches, but stop the rest. Stop the best, defend the rest, man. I'm I'm stealing that one. Um, what's your what's your is it? You said that's your head coach. No, that was that was my my mentor, man. Oh, your uh, mentor. I'm sorry. Old, Why don't you give him a shout yeah, out because that's a good one. So yeah, we can the old, it to my him. old defensive coordinator, at Rockhampton County. He was basically like my dad. His name was Tony Saylor, and he had all these sayings, and and you know he he he's where I learned how to game plan and how he would do. Scout card. I still make my damn weekly game plan packet. I handwrite it out in ink pen. You know, I don't use computers not for that. You know, everything still comes off huddle, but you know, I still draw it all out like him and hand it to the kids because, uh, uh, you know, not not to not to poo poo on huddle, but you know, all my kids look at huddle on their phone. Well, right. they can't access formation reports down and distance not stuff through the app. Right. So. If you want them to see the formations and, you know, uh, if, if you get you'd be shocked. Or, well, you wouldn't be shocked, but, you know, the average Joe Smo sitting up in the stand would be shocked to know if you get somebody out of their main one or two formations. We play a ton of teams. You get them out of their base formation, then they're 100% run or 100% pass out of every other, like, secondary formation. And right. even more than that, they usually have one play they run out of. So I just give my kids like a packet and the kids are like, so coach, you mean when they line up in this, they only run this play. I'm like, yeah, you know? So that's kind of, I mean, I'm guilty of that, but it's always like, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being undermanned. Well, I'm going to overplay your best plays. So you're, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have an extra guy. I'm going to figure out some way to overplay your best plays. And I'm going to rip like your best plays, so you're going to have to beat me with something that you don't really want to do, or something you haven't done as much. I guess. No, that's 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 good. I mean, I I I don't know. I have a different approach on the haze on the barn. Like I, I don't know. I I get as much. I I look at Thursdays differently. I think it might drive some of the people on our staff crazy because we put in a lot of work. But Thursday is a very, and I'm not saying that you're not saying that it's not serious, but like because of our language system, we're able to. I mean, I there's new. I'll throw new calls in their game day because of the language system. We can do it. So I'm always tweaking. I'm always. I take forever oh, game yeah. plan, and I'm always tweaking. So for me tonight, I'm going to go through now a team like this double wing team. The calls are simple. It's the answer sheet that you want to set up. So I put together an answer sheet with every possible situation. So power, uh, our, our strongest safety is not spilling on the down blocks or, uh, 
we're too tight. We're coming to, we spent too much time on the down blocks and we're, we're getting, we're getting logged and they're running sweep on us and, you know, have all that stuff thought out ahead of time. And I also, when I play a team like this, I like to script like an offense because it's 32. You know what you're going to get. Now they're going to have right. some goofy stuff for us early. So I am going to have a really vanilla game plan just to get us lined up and get out of that first series and then, uh, and then start to do the funk or I might just do it off the bat. But, you know, I'm going to script and do that stuff. But, you know, we have an answer sheet, every possible scenario that you can imagine or try to. I mean, obviously, there's stuff that you never think of that they pull out. And I know, I mean, it's a homecoming game. It's coming off a of bye week. They want this game really bad. And it's a school. It's uh, Tim Murphy's old school. I hate to talk about opponents uh, in, in particular. Is it Clayton Val- or is it- that's where he's Was at now. That's where he's at now. This is Clovis East, and and I and I'm only speaking about this team because I really respect them and what they do. And I've seen Coach Reynolds, who's the head coach, speak at a clinic, Glazier Clinic, and uh, I've seen a lot of his stuff. He's a great guy. Uh, we we talked in passing. I doubt he even remembers because I don't even when I talked to him at the clinic. I'm not even sure I introduced myself. And I, I want to say I was even wearing plain clothes. I wasn't wearing a shirt that was affiliated with the school, but. Um, <laughs> He probably, I just wore like a polo just that day. I don't even know why. I think it was just my, my stuff was dirty. It wasn't like, and I was like, oh, I forgot to do laundry. I'm going to wear a polo. It was nothing like, I wasn't doing anything like a political statement. Like, F the school I met or anything. I just, so I don't even know if he would remember me, but he's a great guy. And they've, they do things the right way from what I could tell. And they're tough. They're everything you want in a high school football program. And he's really revived because that the team saw some dark periods of some over seasons and I think he might have went through one his first year and but they've got things going the right way and, and they just they're tough they're hard nosed and I really respect them. So if anybody from Clovis East listens to this podcast, I don't want you to feel like I'm, you know, trying to spill secrets on your team or trying to give away or helping other coaches game plan for you. I just I really respect you guys and what you do. So uh, we got a oh. tough road this this season. We've got some really good teams. We're gonna see a team uh, the following week: Central High School in Fresno, who's got just ballers everywhere. And then in two weeks, we play Buchanan High School, who's coached by uh, former Colts safety Matt Giordano, and they have probably the number one running back in the country, Kendall Milton, who's on their team, who's going to Georgia, and he's Always just handy. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, he's he's unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, I knew he was good, and then I watched him play De La Salle last year, and he ran right past everybody. And they they were a very good football team and, and uh, tough kid, tough runner. I mean, just the whole thing. So we have a murderer's row, so to speak, and then we have uh, some other games coming up. But our league is our league is tough. Every game, there's no easy game. So uh, enough about my my team and my season. Okay. I just I just I get weird sometimes because. You know, I do have this platform and I, you know, coaches ask me to give specific examples and I'm, and I, I'm talking about how we are defending this team because it's the, the team we're playing this week. And I just, I always worry that somebody from that school is going to listen and be like, why are they talking about us specifically? Because because like, what, I mean, I have to give examples, you know what I mean? I just don't want anybody to take it the wrong way. That's, you know, I'm, I'm talking at a turn about their program and, and the more specific I get, the more respect I have. So I just want to throw that out there. And for, for this, uh, you know, for, for this game in particular, any future game. So I just, it's all, all love and all respect. 
I got one more question, and then we're going to close it out. I know we've been going for a while. This one's really interesting. Uh, it's from somebody DM'd me on Twitter. And, you know, he's he's been working uh, football for a little bit. Uh, he's done some he, he's done some writing and some things in the past. And he, he does a, a works for a high school team and, and does some scouting and some things. And he was just saying, like, you know, do you have any quick advice? You know, in the past, I've said, let the film talk. But he was wondering if there's any, you know, make checklist keys, et cetera, anything you can do. Now, I don't know if this is just specifically for the scouting and game planning uh, or if this is more of like a global advice. Uh, my first thing to do that I would suggest if it's game planning is, and I think I actually talked about this the last time that you were on, is I, I think because we talked about the Tennessee connection, is get Kenny Ratledge's book, um, Developing a Defensive Game Plan. Did we talk about this, Slade, when you were on last time? I think, I think you did talk. I think you did yeah. talk about that. And I think I, one of his guys reached out, or I reached out to him that was on his staff, and I was like, please tell him I said hi. He, again, guy probably does not remember me. The greatest dude. He wrote a book on defending the wing T years ago. I think I might have even told the story the last time you were on. I apologize. And it was out of print and he didn't have any copies or he had one copy or something. And instead of being like, sorry, bro, he went to the to Kinko's or something, Xerox the whole thing for me wow. and wouldn't take a dime and send it to me. Yeah. There's some amazing guys in this profession. The craziest one, and please don't call him and have him send it to you. And please don't call me and ask me for it because I'm not sending it out. But I ran into John Lever at a clinic. He sent me his 85 Bears playbook in the mail. He sent it oh. in the mail. I scanned it. I, To be honest with you, I don't even know where it is. I have to go looking for it because I think I scanned it around the time when my computer got stolen. Uh, I, had, I had a MacBook that got stolen about five, six years ago. And he had, I think it was the 80, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the 85 Bears play because there's one floating around that says 85 Bears, but it's not. It's 86 Bears. It's Vince Tobin's playbook, not Buddy Ryan's. But he sent me the playbook and I meticulously scanned it. And there, and then I mailed it back to him like a month later. And it was just like nothing. He didn't, he wouldn't, again, he wouldn't take my mind. Like, I'll pay for it to go both ways. Obviously, I paid when I sent it back. And I think I sent him the digital copy. I think I sent him the digital. I, I mean, I could go through my email, but please, please don't. I, I, I don't want to. I, I you just got a about thousand these. DMs. You just yeah, got please do not. Please do not, because it's not. I don't. I haven't talked to Coach in six years, and I don't want to call him up, and, <laughs> and 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 you know start getting that. And I don't even know if I have it. God's honest truth. But anyway, so there's some amazing people in this profession. But so that's my first piece of advice. Go buy that book. The second thing is what I did making a checklist. And I haven't done, I I have enough experience now where I don't actually, and I say that and I'm totally full of crap. I should get one. And I, and I do have a couple, but I started from scratch and I read, God, I must have read. 25 30 40 articles on game planning and some of them were checklist based and some of them were more conversational in american football monthly there was articles floating around the internet and this is like 12 13 years ago too so there's been i can't tell you how much there is out there now i read bill belichick's dad's book i i won't tell you how i got it it was before it was reprinted um 
I had to have somebody go to a school library and smuggle it out for me. And I ended up just paying for it because <laughs> I checked it out for so long. Um, and then it was like in print for $20. I paid a huge price for that book. Uh, and I think I lost it. And then, then it was republished. But anyway, I made a giant document myself of all the game planning questions and put them in. I'd be lying to you if I said that I go back and look every week. I kind of memorized with with huddle and columns because it used to be when I did it by hand, I would look at the checklist to make sure. But now if you set your huddle columns, it basically reminds you what to look at because you have to type it in, if that makes sense. So come up with a process. Uh, you know, I use Microsoft Excel. and Sometimes I'll still use pivot tables for, for if I'm looking for certain data, but. I, I learned through my hands. So writing checklists, writing things down, even if it's just writing them again, because my whole thing is if you remember something, if you're making a list of something, for example, I watched this team I'm go back and talk about the double wing thing. I would, I would not, I refuse to go back and look at past game plans at first because I wanted to write down everything I think was important or that I would do now through my own eyes and then go back and supplement it. Because my whole thought was if I couldn't remember it off the top of my head, it wasn't important. If that makes sense. And what I didn't want to do is take the game plan from last year and just Xerox it and run it again. I wanted to really think it through and then be like, Oh yeah, right. You know, if it's something that's important, I would remember it. And so I kind of do that with scouting now, but I think for young guys, if you're young and you're first getting into this, make a checklist some of it may apply, like, you know, it, taking advantage of your worst pass protection. Well, this offense I just talked about, they're going to throw three to five passes, and they run, they'll run they run nine-man protection sometimes. Nine-man protection, hard play, actual one route in the red zone. Well, you're not getting through. So picking on a, picking on an offensive lineman doesn't matter because I mean, he's going to have help on either side. So I think some of it's useful, some of it's not, um, you know, you know, does does you know does the offense change the launch point and stuff? Well, if you're playing a drop back passing team, then then no. <laughs> if you're playing a sprint out team, then yes, they don't. But they don't change the launch point. It's the same every time. And so, but just to think those things through and have a list, and 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 my advice to you, and this might be because I'm ADD and it's out of sight, out of mind, but pin it to your wall so you don't forget it. When I had that list, I had it pinned to my wall because I knew. And if I had it put in a binder somewhere, I wasn't going to remember to go look at it. But now as I saw it every day. So that would be my initial advice to you. Get the Kenny Ratledge book. Read every article that you can. I would make notes. I'd have a note section on things to look for. And I'd create your own checklist. Again, it's processing information. If somebody hands you a checklist and you just make your own checklist or just copy and paste it, you're not going to learn it. Go through, pick no. it apart, create it from scratch, and then also talk. If you're if you're scouting for someone else, it's simple, but ask them what they want. So, what do you got on that? I mean, I would agree. I, I think the writing. I, I don't know. You know, everybody learns different. But when I was talking about, I still make the handwritten game plan. Like mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's a big thing for just not for the kids. It's probably bigger for me because when I sit there and I draw out every single formation and then the plays, you know, going left, going right, the passes, 
you know, and I'm sitting there writing, well, they're 89% run or they're a hundred percent pass or whatever. Like, I just feel like when you write it out, it just goes right into your brain. That, that's right. me. I, I don't know if that's everybody, but that's me. And it, it really helps me. So by the time I, you know, make that packet out, you know, I've, I've written down a lot of things and, you know, it, huddle now, you know, it's changed it just because you got everything in columns. You know, when I was a young coach coming up, you know, we were in there with the uh, two VCRs, hitting record on one, pause on, you know, making cut-ups. And, I mean, it would have it would have taken hours. It probably would have been impossible to recall some of the information that now we can pull up in 30 seconds, you know, 10 seconds. So, right. you know, find, find your tendencies and all that. But I, I think it's important to just sit and draw, man. I mean, I, I got a young guy that I'm trying to kind of mentor, and and sometimes he gets mad at me. But I'll be like, hey, man, how many hours have you studied blah, blah, blah today? Or I'll be, how, many, how many hours have you studied stopping whatever personnel package? Or, you know, how many? And, and he'll be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, then, then you're not serious. But, you know, like, I, I just – I think you just have to just sit around and, and X and O and, and all that, or you're never going to, you know, you're never going to do it. Like there's a million playbooks online and it's just all words and stuff. But until you take that stuff and you start defending what you see on the high school level and then learning all the ins and outs and when do I need to check out of this and when do I need to switch this rush or blitz or whatever, you, you you're never going to learn it. And then, you're never going to see how it fits into a game plan. Right. Well, one thing I will say that where Huddle has, and I don't mean Huddle in, in general, but video scouting software programs has hurt me. There you is go. Is tendencies. Because what happens is when I used to write out, so before I would write, I would have, I would write everything in an Excel um like spreadsheet, but I would write it out in hand. And then I would go back and go 21 personnel, you know, plays. And I would write ISO and I'd make a tally mark and I'd write power strong and I'd write a tally mm -hmm. mark. And then after the tally marks, I would, I would um, number them like by frequency and then I'd rewrite it out clean. So it was clean. Mm -hmm. Well, I could tell you, I mean, I used to be able to tell you five, six years ago, even, even before that, you could say second and three to six, 21 personnel. I could be like 74% run. I knew everything. I knew every mm -hmm. run, not only the overall run pass tendency. That's why when I laughed when they had the, 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 the recall in McVay. Uh, remember when they had they asked Sean McVay that question? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, and everybody, everybody was going nuts. I'm like, how many football coaches do you know? I could tell you run pass percentages for a guy that I coached against in 2008 oh, yeah. to this day. You know, I, I but, do it all. My kids make fun of me because I'll we'll be getting ready to play somebody, and I'll be like, "Well, you know, I coached against this guy in 2009, and he ran such such trick play. It was on this hash, you know, third and twelve, and whatever." And they're just like, "How? How do you know?" That? And I'm like, "Well, I, if it's yeah, to you know." I but, mean, yeah, I, I wasn't you know, in all the McVeigh thing because I feel like everybody. Can yeah, know. well, and, and don't get me wrong, I love Sean McVeigh. I think he's great, but. I don't. I just was like, you obviously don't know a lot of high school football coaches or coach, football coaches in general, especially with the bad play. Now, where I was, I don't know. I remember. I remember the misery. So I remember. I remember the highest of highs, 
So where I will give McVay credit is that it was like a random touchdown. Like if you ask me about a random sack that we had in a game six, four years ago or three years ago, I might be like, eh, I don't remember. If it's like, I could tell you the whole game plan of our every section title we won forward and backward. Uh, state championship, regional championships. Like I could tell you all that. Uh, or the misery. Like, you know, I just talked about the, the game earlier today when we played Buhawk Colony and they destroyed us. And I could tell you what we did and how they got after us. And, you know, I could tell you that De La Salle game. I could tell you what call we were in when we gave up the, the, the one long run of the game. But I can't remember the calls we made when we had five TFLs or whatever. Like, so I remember like the mountaintop or the complete misery. <laughs> but anyway. So, but I lose some of that. Now, here's my counterpoint to that. I don't think that's a bad thing because, so for the person that uh, had the question last about the down and distance, uh, I got away from doing down and distance too early in the week. And I've talked about this before because I had what I called a boutique game plan. I would memorize all these down and distances and be like, well, at second and 10 plus, they're 86% pass. and they like to run six reverses. So we're going to, you know, in a, in a 12 game breakdown or whatever insane thing I did. And then we'd get into a game and it'd be second and 10 after a, a, a run. And they were even more likely to pass. And I have just some fancy blitz call that I came up on Sunday to stop this one play on second and 10 plus. Cause I knew they're going to pass the ball, yep. but they hand the power off because their quarterback hurt his thumb on the play before. And so they're just trying to get into a manageable third down play. And I'm so busy looking down at my chart and get my fan. Remember my fancy numbers that I didn't see the quarterback shaking his hand going, ah, my hand, you know what I mean? What's sitting in front of me versus what's on a page. And so I think I lost a little bit. I think the computer's, lost a little bit of their memorization but i think that's good i think that when you game plan holistically i know that our game plans have been more sound and solid since i stopped looking at down and distance really early in the week because i look at down and distance with a personnel grouping i don't look at it as well at first because because teams are because the way offense is now maybe 20 years ago you did this because in 20 everybody ran one personnel group the whole game so then you had to go off down and distance but like you know we played a 21 personnel team. I mentioned them earlier, St. Francis. They were always like 80% run at 21 personnel. Well, with certain 12, they weren't in 21 personnel. You know what I mean? They, they're in 10. Or they're in another grouping. So the down and distance is tied into the personnel grouping. It's not tied into just the down and distance. And so that makes I've gotten away from some of that. And I, I think it's been good. I, I, I'm more in the moment reactive now than I am... Now, you need to know the big ones. Anything north of 70%, you might want to take a look at. And I, and I have mentioned in past podcasts, like in scouting, one thing that I learned in the Kenny book and the other, it was two things in the Kenny book, and then I can't remember where the other one came from. But looking at first and 10 after a run, after a pass, after an explosive run, after explosive pass, and after a penalty, and then second and seven to nine, and then second and 10 plus, if they ran the ball previous play, if they passed the ball, or it was a penalty. You'll find some telling stats. and. Tying all this together, I talked about a guy that I could I knew was run past stats from 10 years ago. Here it is. And I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but he was 50-50 pass, run pass at 21 personnel and first and 10. 
But if he got the if if he ran the ball to get the first down, he was 80% likely to pass. And if he passed the ball, he was 80% likely to run. And because he was so 50-50, oh, yeah. it would it, it if you looked at the macro level, he's 50-50. But if you start to drill, now that's a tendency worth paying attention to. But if it's 60%, that's not enough. And now I'll look at percentages for something that stands out. So, for example, I used to be like, well, they're 74% run and backed up and 71% run and coming out. And in between the 35s, they're 68% run. Now I look at it as what is the outlier? So we saw a team a couple years ago, couldn't tell you who they were. They were 65% run in every situation, minus the obvious ones, third and long, stuff like that. Except for from the 35 to the 21, they were like 50% pass, 50-50. That's an outlier. You know, so where five years ago, 10 years ago, when I did everything by hand, I could tell you the exact personnel or the exact percentages. Now I just know the important, I know the information. They're going to throw the ball here. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know all the Rain Man statistics. So. I don't know if that answered your question or not. We've been talking for a while. I'm just excited because we took a week off in the podcast uh, <laughs> so I could go home and be with my mom. So and anytime I talk to Slate, I, I get, we, we go forever. I feel like I usually talk a lot, but I talk a lot more with you because I just I love talking football with you. So. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I mean, but talking stats, I'll tell you the last couple of years, I've found that and I, I don't know if, if this is everywhere or what, but when teams have the ball on the hash near our bench, almost no one runs a play into your sideline. You know, I found that as well. I, you, that's a good one, man. I tell you who, well, I don't want to say the team that does it because they're friends of mine and I don't want to give away a huge tendency, but there's a, a famous team that they never run wide plays into your boundary. Never. Because never. Doesn't matter what hash. They will when they run uh speed option or toss or anything out wide, it's always to their sideline because they hold and they're really good and they're nice people, so they get away with it. This is my this is my very biased opinion. I love them to death. They're very good friends of mine. But you don't have the sideline going, that's holding, that's holding, or they'll see the holding. And so it always goes in the bench. I don't know. It, I, do you think that's why that is? It's got to be the explanation, right? Occam's razor. I, I think, you know, we play some of the guys, and, you know, they're just old school guys and down in the city. And I think it's so they can see. Because, and you'll laugh at this, all right? Because I've heard you and King talk about putting scout plays on Jumbotron. We play against people that don't even put no, 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 no. That is Chris. <laughs> yeah. I I'm okay. on an iPad. Chris has the my old school has the wristbands that go out. They're like, you need yeah. to get these. I'm like, bro, we don't play. We don't use cards anymore because we see up tempo offenses. We're not seeing wing team minus this team we're playing. But anyway, sorry to cut you off. But for the record, that's Chris King, <laughs> not me. Okay, but we'll play teams that don't put coaches in the box on headsets. And so I think they, it's not about staying away from your sideline as much as it staying over there on their sideline so they can see what's going on. And, you know, 
Right. And especially maybe they have a young quarterback or something, or maybe that, you know, cause they can just yell out there, Hey, block this guy, block that guy. What's the, you know, and a lot of people are field defend teams, you know, maybe it was just me back when I was living in the four two five world. And, uh, you know, and I always had that, you know, your strong safety is to the field. I but I've found that several times over just the last couple of years that teams are, are a hundred percent away from your bench. And then a real simple one I found last year was a team would always throw play action after they earned a first down. So if it's P and 10, you know, they're going to run it, whatever. And then when they got their first, first down, the next play was always play action. Yeah, that's good. So that's, my answer, you know, was one. bullet zero, something bullet zero, something go. smokes zero Love it. at that point in time. You know what's funny is we've talked football a bunch of times and we've never really gotten in the weeds on the TCU stuff. And you're one of the only guys I know that runs it, that runs it true, not true, but like yeah, well, and, they and don't now dabble in it. Guy, man. Now I, you know, yeah. Well, this conversation is officially over. I've had a great time. Thank you, Coach. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey, well, I tell you, we what, can talk the about second, the glory days. The second game of the year. The second game of the year this year is the first time ever I played a whole game. And, and did not run quarters, of, not one snap. Wow. What what was the occasion? Played one high, either cover, you know, three deep, one rat, or zero, or, or three deep, three under the entire game. What, what was the, I mean, what, what was the reason? Just, I, just, I, I just got away from, I'll I tell you what happened, though. I'd, I'd, I'd had the same free safety from the year before, uh-huh. and getting ready to go into the first game, I went office and I told the head coach, I said, uh, I want to do something crazy. So we've had all our sum- spring, summer, preseason, camp, everything. And I said, uh, I think for us to be as good as we need to be, I was like, I think we need to switch our boundary corner and our free safety. So, and he goes, okay. And so we switched them. Well, now I'm taking a corner that only knew how to do a corner job. And, you know, I'm trying to get him up to speed and we didn't have time to like reinstall, you know, robber and blue and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you mentioned Kim Murphy a while ago. So first game of the year, we were ready for a whole different offense. The team comes out running the Tim Murphy single wing stuff. Oh no. That, that, oh, imagine not even working on a snap of that and then having to defend it. How'd you do? Uh, not good. We got killed. Which they're just better now, you know. And like they're the number one or two ranked team in the state in their classification. You know, they played back to back state finals. We got smashed. But after I made an adjustment in the second half, they didn't score any. Of course, they had a little mercy on us late. But but uh, but anyway, I switched. Yeah, and, and Murph Murph's offense. Murph's offense is more of a single wing than a double wing because. I don't. I don't want to really get into it too much because we are playing. I. I don't know. I just. I feel weird, even though, uh, we're playing against these guys and we're playing them tomorrow. This is going to come out on uh, Saturday, well after the game's over. Especially with how they run the football, it'll be a quick game. <laughs> but uh, it's more of a balanced single wing to me than it is the double wing because it's not yeah. four vertical threats. Because I know the double wing teams don't throw a lot of four verts. But you can't get threat. down there. The threat's there, and, and you don't know which side it's going to go to because of the motion. That 
the the principles of defending that are slightly different, but when you face offenses like that, it's the little things that make all the difference. But it is way different than in that sense than facing the gun where you've got three vertical threats and let's just send the back vertical and just a lot of different things. But yeah, it's uh well that's funny, man. I, I was thinking about it. Uh you know, it's it's always you always kind of go with the times and, and this offseason I spent a bunch of time studying the Iowa State stuff and we ran it like one one or two snaps for one game. <laughs> like and uh I noticed that I tend to early on in the season I, I experiment and do some fun stuff and then when we start getting going, I revert back to what I know. Uh which mm-hmm. is not it's not always good. I think sometimes it's you know, I've talked about this at length before, but your defense is only as good as you know how to fix it. And uh I know how to fix what I do. And uh, you know, when you're sitting there trying to come up with a game plan, you you think, well, what do I know? What am I going to do? Especially when when it gets hot and things start to struggle, you, you go back to what you know. But yeah, I was I was reading uh, during lunch today. I was reading Cody Alexander's Matt. He had an article on Michigan, like breaking down Michigan State's defense. Uh, and I was just like, damn, that defense is still good. Like the way he laid it out and everything, and how he plays oh, it. Yeah. Like, you solid. know, there's still a place for it. And I think. Every once in a while, because I'm one of those people that want to keep up, not keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, but like want to be on the cutting edge, quote unquote. I, sometimes it's it's good to read stuff like that. And it's good to talk to my old boss, Leck, that's like, hey, man, you could still do this stuff. You might need to modify a little bit, but you could still play, you know, quarters. And so, uh, you know, because this year I was all prepared to go to the one rat stuff and do all the bangs and whistles and the cover three. And I I chickened out. And I, I didn't, I, I just, I didn't want to do it. Uh, and uh, I think next year that if we are going to stay in man free, we do have to go with all the cut rules and rat rules. It's just so much. And it's not something I feel comfortable with. And I don't, I'll mess around with fronts and, and, and blitzes and stuff, but coverage is, I, I'm such a, I, that's where I come from. That's where I grew up on, so to speak. And I get real nervous about like, you know, if we put in Ripley's match, I wouldn't, and I don't want to open up a whole other conversation, but you know, we put it in quarters. I know how I'm going to get attacked and I know how to prepare for that ahead of time. It doesn't take me getting killed on a bunch of things to be like, okay, you got to practice scissors. You got to practice post dig. You got to practice these splits. You got to practice these splits. You know, that stuff like before cut, before I watch cover three, cause I didn't study any, I didn't even watch that stuff. I kept, I, I purposely buried my head in the stand. So, I wouldn't have my head turned and trying to run 7,000 things on defense. But the whole nailing down on the overwrite route and having the corner take the uh, post would, from the, I would never have thought of that in a million. That, and that's funny. That. Oh, you don't? Well, I mean, dude, like in high school, but you're in California in the big school. You know, it, yeah, I think we get, we we get carved up if route. we did that. You know, we don't, we don't see an over route. Right. Well, so, I was so I was so oblivious to NFL defenses until I started making friends with some of the journalists that write about it and started reading oh, their work. It's unreal. I'm watching the Rams offense, and I know people are going to be like, oh, "I'm going to get attacked," but I'm like, "What? Why? Why is this such a big deal? They're running boot every other play," and I'm like, "Why is this so successful? Like, why? Why are these teams struggling with it so much?" And then I watched NFL defenses, and I'm like, "Oh." 
they're running cover three and all the, you know, getting that third level of the defense and everything. Because in quarters, you have your own way to deal with it. And, you know, court, believe me, quarters has its own issues. And I think there's a reason why so many more teams are running three deep in the NFL than not running quarters. But I'm just, the plays that I was seeing, I'm like, this stuff's easy. I mean, again, it's easy for me to say. Can't ever make a bad call <laughs> from the stands. But, I mean, they're just running boot. Like, the Rams, the one, the game I saw, they were running boot 17 different ways. But it was the same damn thing. Deep over, a post, whether it was coming from the other side or not. The guy out in the flat. And I'm like, why Why is this guy so open? And then I started watching the three deep. And then I they weren't nailing on the over route. And then I was like, okay. I, and I saw that stuff. But I didn't, I hadn't seen that before. Because that's oh, what the well, world I, I live in. We, we were commenting. It's probably before the season started. Because I, I haven't been on Twitter. You know, I'll scroll through it maybe yeah, like once it. a day. But you. I don't have time to, you know. And uh, there, there was some plays in the preseason. Maybe back in the summer. And somebody had ran like a double over route. Like an over return. And, you know, I was like, hey, who's wrong on this? Because, you know, like, safety had to nail down the over, so the corner becomes the new middle-of-the-field player. Well, then the over came from the other side, so that guy had to nail down. And, you know, I I forget. It was like the Bills and the Dolphins. And somebody had ran, like, a double over, and then one of them was, like, an over return. So they ran, like, an over and then whipped back out. And I'm like, they're just dabbling in witchcraft at this point. Like, I I have – I have no answers, you know. I don't. I don't know what to tell people, but, but, uh, you know, you, you deal with what you can deal with. This is a the talking about quarters, though. I still love this. Is the first week all year, in which I've still used it here and there, but this is the first week that I've had to like make an adjustment to something in the one high world that you know, if I was still just doing my TCU based stuff that it would have never been an issue. And really, you know, that's the only time I've kind of like, man, you know, if we're in robber, this wouldn't even be an issue, you know, like, but, you know, because the team runs like, you know, they fake toss and run the tight end, like dump, you know, they'll fake toss and run the tight end just straight down the field or he'll run right off the referee. Right. Well, you know, if your free safety is sitting there eight yards deep and, you know, as Pat Fox would say, eight yards deep in the B-gap nest. You know, that's what Pat Fox would say. But, you know, if the oh, free safety's just yep. standing, yeah, yeah. It, you know, he would just catch that route, and it's not an issue. You get your strong safety rolled down to smack the toss back inside. You know, your, your play side backers inside out, no sweat. But now, you know, when you get in the middle of the field, so, you know, we spin, you know, let's say we're spinning that way. Well, we spin the safety down. But we're probably going to stunt. We're either going to go nine jam seven with the Sam on the tight end, or we're going to stunt the Sam inside the tight end in the C gap. Well, now you know our spin down safety's got to knock the toss back inside. But now, really, you don't have that tight end player, so it's kind of like, well, you know, do you do you hug your your safety in there to carry that tight end vert? Well, now you really don't have a you know you're going to have a late force player, or do you commit the ultimate sin and you know, work your your middle of the field player kind of down. You know, do you have him drive on a on a tight end dump route? So, you know, that's that's kind of where you get into no man's land on that a little bit. But that it's the first time all year I've had to be like, well, you know, I, I'm really having to tinker with this a little bit. Whereas in the past, 
I would have never even flinched on that play in, in the quarters world. Yeah, you get in that stuff, and it's interesting to see. And that's part, honestly, that's part of the reason that scares me about doing like a wholesale coverage changes. I don't want to, I don't, I don't have many fears in life. I don't have many fears in football. I have a couple that are, are at the top of the list. There's one is being in a game and being stuck in something with no answer. And, and, and that's why I carry so many things. You know, it's funny. Um, I had a realization. I was sitting with Nick Rapone at a clinic, and we were just BSing. And he said, this is when he was still at Delaware, I think before his first stint with the, in the NFL with the Cardinals. And, and I said to him, I said, or I realized this as we were talking, because he had mentioned earlier, I said, oh, we were talking about flying or whatever. I said, did you check a bag? He goes, no. He was there for like four days, and he had like a little carry-on. <laughs> and he was talking about his defense and how he only wants to play. If he can, he'd love, he'd love to play quarter 75% of the snaps and only have a few change-ups. And I, and I was talking about how, how much defense I carry. And I said, I think it's a personality thing. I says, when I go on a four-day trip, I got a suitcase. I got a backpack. I got a carry-on. I have three books I'll never read. I'll put a book on tape on my thing. I'll load up a couple albums I'll never listen to. And I was going on all these things that I would do. And, and I, I've gotten better about it as I've gotten older because I realized, like, I'm not going to do this. But I think that's part of personality. I, I don't think, I think, you know, if you're a minimalist as a person, I don't know too many minimalists as people that have these crazy defenses. And I also, and vice versa. And so, you know, that's one of my fears. And that manifests itself in how I put in a defense. And the second thing is being attacked and not having an answer. And mm-hmm. if I was the wholesale change and do that, I would be afraid that I would get into a game and it'd be a combination of both. Like I'm seeing something that I, I don't know. Like I didn't anticipate because I could tell you tomorrow how they're going to block everything. I can tell you, I can tell you exactly how we're going to get blocked unless it's a new play. I could tell you exactly what routes, like they have a route that I think it's their third route, their third or fourth most popular route, but we practice it as their number one route because it's, it's it will hurt us structurally. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of game planning is, is, is anticipating that stuff. And, you know, I don't know exactly. I, I don't see everything, you know, that would happen ahead of time. And it would have to be through pain. I mean, and I tell our kids this all the time. I'm like, trust me, I've learned most of the lessons I know in defense through pain and misery. I don't want to go through growing pains of a whole nother defense if I don't have to. Now, if you have to, you have to. Like, we realized the tight front was the best way to defend a horizontal RPO game in 10 and 11 personnel, so we did it. And we had growing pains, but it was the value was so much worth the risk. But some of these coverages, I'm like, especially like something you're going to live in. Like, I'll put in like a bracket, I'll put in a million bracket variations and, you know, two trap variations, but to have a whole package. That takes as much time as it does to put in. That scares me. And so if you're a cover three coach, uh, you're a former quarters guy and you're a cover three coach, tweet me and tell me it's going to be okay. Actually, <laughs> I mentioned this a couple pods. I don't, I'm honestly during the season all runs together. And I know this is going long. I'm going to let you go. I promise. But last thing, Ron Roberts and I were sitting at ULL this, this off season and we were talking and I was telling him how afraid I was of cover three and he was, he goes, Chris, I was just like you. He goes, I was a quarters guy. I never wanted to play cover three, he said. But when I was coming up, all the coaches knew how to beat cover three. 
and they didn't really have answers for quarters yet. He said, the thing you got to think about is that these young offensive coordinators, they're coming up in a quarters world, and they're de facto answers, and they know how to beat quarters. He goes, they're not real. A lot of these young guys, they don't know. They've never run a two-back offense seeing cover three all the time. He goes, so you're really, you're being counter, it's like counterculture. Like you're running cover three. Now, and I know there's a lot of people running cover three, but, you know, he goes, these guys solve problems with RPOs and stuff that drives quarters coaches crazy. So it's actually a great benefit to you to play cover three. And I, my head almost exploded because one, I was, I was too big of a wuss to, to, to make the switch or to incorporate the cover three. And now I have this, this information on my head freaking me out. I mean, thanks a lot, Ron. <laughs> but uh, you oh, know, yeah. by the way, if you can ever talk football with that man, oh, I'm I'm uh, I, I don't I'm know if lucky's the right that. word. I don't know if lucky's the right word because I I definitely like worked for it to get to know him and you know he listened to the pod and I I you know I I drove out I flew to Dallas and drove out there and my southeast tour like it wasn't it wasn't luck but I feel very blessed or fortunate that I've not only did I get to meet with him but. I mean, he might, if you asked him if we're friends, he'd say no, probably more of a stalker situation, but I definitely think (laughs) we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, but, but I keep, okay. So like when I go dime, some of my dime stuff is still even front. And then I kind of get in quarters, but I guess, and you, you're better a a saving that guy than I am. But I guess we get in like a cover five structure, but it's probably like five cougar. You know, sometimes, uh-huh. you know, like, is that the one where it's like man match cover two? Is that cougar or five cut? Or it's what, what it's basically, it's man match. So, yeah, it's cougar is man match cover two. Um, it's kind of like if you know the buster stuff from Saban, it's very similar, except there are certain rules where like, Buster has always played with dog on the backside, which is two man. Cougar doesn't have the same rules, and I don't think they have the the technique. And it's it's man, it's it's freaking man match cover two. It's, it's okay. I don't so, want to go on another tangent, but it's uh, there's yeah yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. it's not this, it's that. It's like no, it's the same damn thing with one adjustment. Like stop. But whatever, so, I don't want to go down that road. So for instance, that's how I kind of get my two high because right. I take my. My boundary side, you know, wheel linebacker, I call a buck. So I uh-huh. take a buck out and I put the money in. So uh-huh. I put another DB in. So now we're playing some type of man match cover two, and I still use the TCU terminology. So we'll say outlaw, and I'll get uh-huh. threes and fives because, remember, my guys are little and quick. Well, then I'll uh-huh. mug my Mike Backer up on the center. So uh-huh. now I, I, I'm guaranteeing a five-on-five protection. Uh-huh. All the time, do it all the time. Yeah, and then now I'm making those guards single block my three techniques, who are my probably my best athletes. I'm making those tackles single block my wheel, my weak outside backer, and my rush in. Uh And then you know, then right before the snap, I can back my mic up and then man the back. Yeah, be careful. We uh, we've seen teams attack us with real routes galore. We have a good we have a good mic, but it's still that's been their answer. Okay, so here's how I bastardize it. So if the back wheels, and I don't know, I don't know what you want to call this. If the back runs a swing, okay, and this goes back to Will Muschamp said it on one of his, 
who free swings the back to run four verts, right? I mean, the I've I've seen it at a three. I've seen it at a three by one this year, yeah. Because I said the same thing, and then I saw it, and I was like, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. So if they do it, oh well, call something else. But you know, so what we'll you know we'll say out out. So now the mic will go slice one. The corner will trap the swing. The safety on that side gets over one, and then we're still man matching number two. So that's what do you do I, for I, like curl routes and in breaking routes on number one then, or like oh, a, not an in breaking route but a, but a curl like where he's far away from that guy. Yeah, well, I mean, but. The thing about it is the corner still, you know, he doesn't have to like jump the back now, you know, it's going to take him time. You know, he's in the backfield and he's going wide. So, you know, the corner's right. I'm not playing. What if, by the way, I'm, I'm just making sure I got my bases covered. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just me and my, my country ball. So like, like, like if, if like one is a curl, two is Bert and the back swings. Okay. So, the mic would be like, okay, out, out, out. He's hauling ass to one now. The corner, who is outside shade, you know, and just jamming the hell out of one and with his eyes kind of inside but prepared to run with with number one man-to-man, you know, now he knows he's got the out route. Well, the safety is midpoint in one and two because, like, my, my nickel Sam or my money, whoever's inside two, is running with him vertical and in. So right, yeah. So you're doing the Mac and the cut stuff from Bama. Yeah, I guess. See, we they call it it Mac and the cut, where the the overhang stays on two and the mic passes three off to the corner. What's funny is the way that we did it in Millsaps is the corner never came off on number three, so we pushed it just like corners. The corner would stay on one. The overhang would push to two. And I like that only because so. And again, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say. And maybe this I'm saying this because I wanted you to maybe help me answer these questions. But we had <laughs> we had trouble with. So that makes sense. Like when two is vertical to push to make the switch between one and three, not two and three. But what happens when one and two both go inside and three goes out? Now does now does the overhang push out to one and the Mac push out to the two? The corner take three. Like, what do you do? Those were the situations that were tripping us up. Okay, that came up last week. So my, we are way my off my the rails. Got, I love it. This I feel like we're at a clinic, yeah. at a bar, sitting at the bar. We're closing down the bar. Yeah. We're just going right now. Yeah. So my mic got caught in a bunch of trash. You know, they went like slant, uh-huh. slant wheel. Well, right. And and, and actually, uh, we were in straight man under two D. It wasn't gotcha. even. It wasn't even uh, uh, like a cougar type deal. So they went slant, slant, ran the wheel out of the backfield. That's why I switched it to the cut deal. And my mic got caught in all that trash. He couldn't, he couldn't run with the back. Well, then my deep half player just saw the back running wide open just jumped him. So I'm like, well, why not just let's just do it that way all the time and be done with it? Which now so what did you do? What did you take me take me through that again? What, what did you do? The corner took the swing. How, how did you play it? No, the corner the corner had his man because we had called you know I guess Saban calls it five. You know it's just man under two deep. Oh, uh, I gotcha. So when they went double slant, you know the corner and, and the nickel Sam had one and two. Well, then when the back wheeled, the mic got hung in all that trash. 
Well, the deep right. half guy just saw the back running the wheel wide open, so he just took him. Right. Gotcha. And then I was like, well, if the deep half guy, you know, because when, when some of those routes, you know, you're just not going to get four verts with a sling a whole lot. Right. And if ever. Because now you still got to remember, I got my four best pass rushers and I've mugged the center. So, you know, how long do you have if the back's not helping on right. my end or my, right. you know. See, so we see that together. stuff from our offense on first and second down where you can't mug. If you, you know, where they'll be in a mix down, but, and, and you still have to, I mean, we are going way out. That's why I love this podcast and I love this format because we can just go. And if you're, and if you're a coach and you're in the middle of your season and you're two hours or whatever in and you're still picking up gold, this is a bonus to you for sticking around. That's why you always listen to the end. But you're seeing that. I read some from Zach Dunn about the Chiefs and their, their, their four strong load passing game. And, it's the same thing if you play special stubby lock, whatever you want to call it, mini right. uh, palms over two and three with the corner press man on one is you have to three, four push. So if you get four verts, your nickel can't come off the swing of four because nobody's got two. Um, right. He can come off on the swing of three. He can come off on the swing of two. But if it's vert, vert, vert with the back swinging, he can't come off. So you have to push it and your overhang backer has to take it. But if you get drive, now the pack the backer passes it back you know he passes that shallow back to the other backer and he plays towards the dig and then the the nickel now will leverage the the swing so you have to peach it differently whether two's going back in or not so that's how we taught the the pushes because that's the problem is whenever i put something new in i never wholesale it and this might be part of the problem so we ran tcu's five wall <laughs> Millsaps is five wall forever and where they they'll drop their wall. So if two's vertical, we're one by one inside. We're looking outside to see if one's coming in. We'll come off. So if you get like slant seam, well then we started running cut. The cut rules are cougar rules where if two is vertical, the overhang stays on it no matter what. So the overhang right. only comes off on two if two is out at or under five. If two is vertical or in, you take it everywhere. Exactly. And so. Well, it's it's the domino effect. So now the corner has to play inside, and he has to man up and take anything. You know, Coach Kogan talks about take back rules. Well, now the kids are like, well, you know, at, at Millsaps we call it a keep call. So if it was five walls, five wall. If we made a keep call, it meant you you kept your VH. You'd stay on your guy, unless they went out. And so it was all sorts of problems because how how did we win it? Because now you've opened up. Because like I said, in the five wall world, you push two and three. The corner never takes three. We tell our corners, you never have three in trips because the strong safety can leverage three out because he's between two and three. And you never have the back and trip and two by two. The only time you have the back is on the backside of trips because we're specifically playing five on the backside of trips for, you know, like we saw slant wheel and, and post wheel. And they had a mismatch on the back. They had a back on our backer, so we specifically played cover five to combat that. If we want to double the backside of trips, we'll do it in a man concept. We're not going to play two deep zone. We are literally playing two deep zone for speed option, and we are playing it to help on wheels. So you better read the freaking back is my point. But so now we have a coverage where you're two, three pushing. You know, five wall, you two, three push if three is fast. And in the cut world, you, you one, three push where, like you said, your overhang stays on two, 
And now the Mac pushes out to one and the corner takes a swing. And we were all jacked up. I don't even, I'll be honest with you, Slate. I don't even remember what the final rules were. Because we stopped playing it. It just wasn't good for us. And so we stopped playing it. So I don't even know what we settled on. But it was something like, <laughs> if three is fast, uh, I don't. I, I honestly don't remember. I, I, I think it was the corner stayed on his guy. We two, three pushed it if one was vertical. If one went inside, we we one, three pushed it. So if it was vertical, vertical out, let's say it was like flood. The corner would go on one, stay on one. Uh, the, the, the overhang, the nickel would push three to the flat and then the, the over backer would try to cut up, play the out with the safety over the top. And then if it was like slant, slant, arrow, now the corner would trap three in the flat and we'd push everything back. So the overhang would take the slant from two. The nickel would take the slant from one. Corner would take the swing, and it was just a nightmare. And then what we did, this is the craziest. And and I'm sure there's man match two deep guys screaming at me going, yo, this is the right way to do it, and I'll have the official way to do it. We were (laughs) doing street ball. As we played, we did the, we did a, uh, uh, let me make sure I get this right. If, if it was gun week trips open, we stopped doing it, but it, it was good for, for what we were seeing. We were seeing a lot of like switch routes from one and two, where I really liked what people call clip, which, you know, two deep man match over trips. Yeah. And so what we were doing was if it was trips in the back was weak, we would two, three push. So three went fast. Um, we would push it to the, to the nickel. And then that backer would, would go out to the, the original two. Um, like I just talked about, but if it was that the back was strong to the trips, we locked the nickel on two and then pushed three and four. <laughs> it was like, what are we doing? And we weren't even seeing the stuff. And I'm like, you know, the problem is our offense is such a good throwing team that you have to have all these adjustments in. The, if you don't, you're going to get shredded because our offense runs very complicated complicated but some of it's simple but it really stresses the defense out like a lot of three four pushes you know shallows where you got to take stuff back and 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 you know, all these different things that really stress you out so you have to be you have to be on your a game and then we get you know non-league play and we're getting and these teams are good but they're throwing more simple they're not stressing you out as much and it's like half field reads mirrored routes and then you know, I haven't talked so about a three. That's all yeah, we see. So. We, we haven't talked about a three, four push in, 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 in a month. You know what I mean? So, anyway, we've got, we've gone all over the place. I hope you guys get something Sorry, out of man. it, Slate. No, it's not your fault. It's my fault, as usual. It's 10 o'clock here. I think we said we were going to start at 6.30 my time. Then I... I pushed it to seven and then had a bunch of stuff going on and now it's 10 o'clock. So yeah, it's, it's midnight my time. I'm, I'm going uh, to turn into a pumpkin, but it's all right. So. Well, you said you, the white devil never sleeps or whatever. So that's right. The white devil never sleeps, man. And well, that, that's then. what I was telling my buddies. I said, vast, vast treats me like you're trying to pick up a woman in a bar. He, he must not be able to get anybody on, you know, like I'm a, I'm a two at 10 o'clock, but I'm a 10 at two o'clock. You know, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the last opportunity to drag out. Uh, so he, can, he, can, he can always. I start looking uh, good after a few. Man, I, 
No. <laughs> I with that's funny. It's not true, but it's funny. No, I, I'll be honest with you. For those of you who follow me on Twitter and you've seen what's been going on, I went back to Florida. My mom was diagnosed with uh, and little get a little peek behind the curtain, but I usually do the intro and the outro after I do the actual episode, so I can sum up what we're going to talk about in both ends. Uh, but I'll probably talk about it in the intro. See, see if you do get to stay, even if you stay this long, you're getting a, you're getting a peek behind all the curtains. But I'll talk about it in the intro that you'll hear before you hear this. It's recorded after. Stay with me now. Uh, but my mom was diagnosed with stage four uh, gastric signet ring cell carcinoma, uh, basically stomach cancer. And um, I, we had our bye week last week, so I went home. And so, you know, I forgot. I forgot that I had to do the podcast. I, like, and even though it's like a third, because I'm just uh, I, I got home on Monday afternoon. I've just been I've been off. I keep thinking it's Wednesday. And so yesterday I was like, oh my God, I got to do the podcast. And then um, I went, oh, oh no. I was like, well, it's late. I haven't asked anybody. And then I I was like, well, I'll just do it myself. And I'm like, no, I just did the marathon by myself. And I just did one a couple of weeks ago. Myself. I was like, I'm going to get somebody on. And so I thought of you, but I had already asked somebody else weeks ago. We had planned it out for him to be on and and i didn't remember until the morning until this morning i was like oh my god but he's totally cool he understands but i forgot i had my own damn podcast so yeah it's been uh it's been a world well, you called the tenant too man you called the tenant yeah i called the tenant too i i don't even know what time i texted you but i'm like please and i was i was prepared to do it by myself anyway because i just needed it you know i wanted to go through the questions and and whatnot so Anyway, enough enough gibberish. This has definitely been the most. The question, the last question was like, "Hey, I'm just getting into football. Should I create a scouting checklist?" And we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about three, four pushes and it two turned man. into five cougar. Five, uh, uh, all, all that somehow. I love that though. Like I love talking about this stuff because this is stuff that's nobody else may care about, but it helps me right now. Damn it, that's all I care about. Just kidding. Slade, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. I know it's in season. Um, staying up late, hanging out with me. I just, I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for letting me bounce ideas off of you. And if you ever need anything, please do not hesitate to holler and I'll help you out the best I can. Oh, no doubt, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I guess 2019 was the year that football Twitter really took off. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the, the season. Like you said, I want to win. I want to go as far as I can go. But but I can only imagine where, where 2020 is going to go. You know what's funny, and I'll leave with this, is I'm actually worried that nobody's going to come back. Oh, no. I'm honestly worried. I know, I know it, and, like, my brain says, like, you know, you're crazy. But, like, there's a part of me that worries that, like, there's going to be something new and like the coaches, cause you know, a lot of coaches don't go on Twitter anymore and they just kind of forget about it. And they're like, they're gone. So I hope, I hope everybody comes back. Cause there's some guy, like there's some guy I genuinely forgot about. Like some of the second, I don't want to mention any names, but like the, some of the secondary guys that were like, didn't post all the time, but were there um, a, a bit that like used to follow me and ask questions and stuff. And I saw an old tweet of mine 
somebody had asked a question. Somebody found an old tweet of mine from like February or March and had asked a question. And when I went to pull it up, I saw the previous comments. I'm like, oh man, I forgot about him. Oh man, I forgot about him too. And so coaches, if you're, if you're listening to this, if you still listen to the podcast and you don't go on Twitter much, please come back when the season's over. Just promise me. Pinky promise. You make that same promise, Slade. You coming back? You gonna you gonna say uh, that you once know I'll be back. I can't wait, dude. Talk about some T dogs, some S dogs. White Stinger Five GM Coach. I'm out. Have a great night. Good luck tomorrow. All right, man. Thanks. Same to you. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of Make Defense Great Again. I hope your season's going well. And I hope everything that we've talked about that you've implemented is helping you dominate your opponents. And if it's not, it's not my fault. Anyway, in all seriousness, though, thank you so much for joining us. And again, you can find us on Twitter at MDGA Podcast and or my website, www.coachvast.com, which I have admittedly not updated during our season, even though there's been some news. And again... Um, for those of you who are interested in donating for the cause for my mom, you can do so by going on PayPal. My username is coachvass at gmail.com or dollar sign coachvass on the cash app. I can't, I, I, and I know I've said this a couple of times and it's, it, it's becoming trite, but I, I really, really mean this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for the support. Everybody that tuned in to the live stream which you can find on periscope if you go on my twitter account and uh i I just i just can't tell you how much it's meant to us and uh we appreciate the continued support good luck this week